Hello and welcome to the back page of Video Games Podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, the first things first, I've got to ask you about a tweet I saw yesterday which suggested you'd been sent a box of desserts by accident or at least they'd been dropped off at your house by some delivery guy. Um, you compared it to a David Cage style sort of like, <laughs> you know, choice based narrative scenario. And so I, I must hear the details. What What went down? No, well, it, it's it's not quite as sexy as that. Uh, a man turned up at about ten, whenever it was, late in the evening, um, with a he'd gotten to the wrong address, and was ready to hand me a big box of desserts from Creams. Right. Um, and it was that brief moment of like he was like, "Are you Daniel or whatever?" And I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. And then I said, well, where's the address? And I pointed him in the right direction. But okay. I was just seconds away from accepting and letting it become Deliveroo's problem. Okay, that's good. So yeah, I don't it, think for... it's against the law if a Deliveroo man accidentally gives you food free. No, I don't think so. There's like, you know, there are ethical questions to ask here for sure. But like... Oh, yeah. um, uh, but um, also, yeah, I did like that the first half of that had the energy of like a Phoenix Wright uh, testimony, and I was like <laughs> waiting to poke holes in it and present evidence <laughs> at you. Um, that's good. Uh, like a creams receipt or the creams menu; those could be in my inventory. You know, just get those out. Um, yeah, okay, good. I thought you'd. I, I honestly thought you'd end up with a box of desserts. So I completely misread that. No, and, um... no, s- sadly not. Um, <laughs> I, I was thinking, like, who the fuck orders creams at this time of night? Uh, yeah probably students who are like smoking weed and other and doing other such drugs they won't remember that their order didn't arrive (laughs) it's an absolutely victimless crime (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel bad now for the desserts you could have had um although to be honest every time i walk past creams i can't say i'm like particularly enticed to go in or really it's like ice cream it's an ice cream place right and it's right near the um the gelato place absolutely rules so it's like yeah. it's tough tough over there you also, know so i just think if anyone sees you through the window of creams like you're definitely having a dessert so <laughs> it, it just looks preposterous when you're a big man in a dessert place when i'm in a place <laughs> with food it doesn't matter because i could be there buying savory food or breadsticks or something but right. if i'm in a in creams i'm there for one one thing and one thing only i like i'd feel very you, exposed yeah I like the idea of like, oh yeah, you're just having like some kind of an ice cream sundae and creams, and then staring through the very dark windows. Oh no, it's a group of twenty people who uh, make up the best friends you've ever had, <laughs> and they're all looking at you at one time. What a what a likely scenario this is. Uh, yeah. Well, when there used to be that large boy at um, Sainsbury's who looked like me, um, someone yeah. once said they saw him eating a packet of chips while looking through a, uh, the window of Games Workshop, <laughs> and they're like from afar. They were like. Is that just Matthew and it's just things have gone horribly wrong for him? So I'm just like very aware of sightings around Bath. Yeah. I don't like I don't think you have to worry that like a man who looks about twenty five percent like you is somehow lowering your reputation by doing things that might embarrass you. Like that's you know, that's not something you've got to worry about too much, I don't think. Also when I saw that guy I was like, he only re- he's just like a a heavy set guy with glasses. Like I'm not sure he's like he looks that much <laughs> like you. Uh, but then people say it's about game that you know, like game mule, right? And I don't see that either. So uh... well, that's that's very kind of you. Um, he, I tell you what, he is like me made in a not very good RPG character creator. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I often think of um, uh, Dark Souls creator Hidetaka Miyazaki as like the Japanese Matthew Castle. 
Like yeah. I think, yeah, because I, I was next to him in the bathroom once. So I thought he looks a little bit like Matthew. Um, so you know, that's that's my take, basically, Matthew. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I would I wouldn't be seen dead at a urinal because I got issues. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the urinal; he was washing his hands. But anyway, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. It's not that kind of anecdote, I'm afraid. Um, yeah. Also, but I was there, like looking at the game awards footage, thinking, "Oh, who's that guy? It's Matthew's collecting an award." Got a bit close to my monitor, and was like, "Oh no, no, there it's Miyazaki. It's definitely not, <laughs> definitely not Matthew." No. Okay, good. I think we've uh, reversed into a good sort of cul-de-sac here. Um, time to get out of it. So, this episode, Matthew, is the RPG party members draft. Wait, the RPG companions draft. This document's name is wrong. RPG companions draft is what it's called. So. Mm. We have not drafted since August. So just for the people who haven't listened to these before, uh, if you're new to the podcast, I mean, who knows what you thought of that first 30, uh, three minutes, to be honest. But um, basically, me and Matthew will each pick uh, kind of like a dream RPG party, I suppose, from 14 different categories. Um, we'll take it in turns and then we'll put the uh, we'll put a poll up on Twitter, back page pod on Twitter, where people can vote on the outcome. Then we'll discuss the outcome in a future episode. And we'll also update this episode description to, uh, to say who the winner was. So it's a fun, it's a fun format. It's a bit competitive. Um, people get invested in the result. Uh, how are you feeling about drafting again, Matthew, after all this time? Yeah, good. I don't know if this is like a traditional draft in, in the same sense as the others. Like, I think there's quite probably a version of this where we just pick completely different things and are completely happy with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, good to set low expectations in advance, isn't it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's still a good exercise, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I haven't really approached it in terms of a... I, I must admit, I'm so confident in some of my picks, you not wanting them. I haven't got a lot of backup picks, which I'm hoping isn't a disastrous misstep on my part. Yeah, there's, like, two categories I haven't really planned a backup for, and I'm here thinking, I hope fucking Matthew doesn't pick this guy. But I think what will be interesting about this draft is... To be very clear, we're going to be picking companions from across um, both, like uh, you know, uh, US, European, uh, Western-made RPGs, and then Japanese RPGs as well. So um, you will see, I think, like me and Matthew's taste in those kinds of games emerge quite strongly here. There are games that Matthew is a big, um, you know, knows a lot about a series he knows a lot about, and a series I know a lot about. And I think that that's where you'll see the the difference. Do you think that's fair? Yes, yes, that that that's fair. I've tried to mix it up so it's not just all Xenoblade, because um, <laughs> I think that would that would make for a boring draft. Um, I think I've got a few a few uh, humorous uh, wild cards in there. <laughs> there you say. Yeah, I've got a couple that are kind of like leaning towards the kind of uh, abusing. Uh, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we'll get to. Uh... <laughs> it's all about setting those expectations. <laughs> Are you ready for a non-competitive draft that leans towards a music? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you know, we'll go back to doing the old um, console drafts next year, Matthew. I think it's next year it'll, it'll be finally time to do the Game Boy one yeah. and the PS2 redraft. I think we've got to do that. We've been putting that off. I tried to get um, Jeremy and Phil involved in that, but Jeremy didn't seem like he was... Um, didn't seem mega confident about talking about the PS2. So it's a bit like, ah, oh, shit, that would have been easy, wouldn't it? To get people who already make podcasts for us to just come yeah. on a podcast. What can you do? We will revisit that um, because we are determined to revisit the PS2. But anyway, this draft then. Uh, Matthew, let's start with a little bit of um, section one, colon, preamble, um, to kind of set the scene. So what are the pivotal RPG games for you in your history? Um, what forged your interest in the genre? Just realise there that RPG games means I've said games twice. That's good. Uh, great start for this podcast. <laughs> so um, what matters to you from the history of this genre? 
Uh, I'm quite a latecomer to it. Uh, it's not a genre I played masses of growing up. Um, my brother was quite into it, and like when I was a sort of petulant teen, I didn't tend to play the same stuff that my brother was into, sort of out of principle, um, which is wild because it it basically meant I didn't sort of play all these amazing games just to sort of spite myself. So, like, I would say, you know, there's there's a lot, of, you know, like I'm not amazingly well versed in Final Fantasy, for example, which I know you're you're big into. So, yeah, like, you know, it's quite a modern series. Is the one that is, you know, I'd say Xenoblade is is my is my sort of favourite RPG series, and I've played weird ones around the edges of that, largely limited to like Nintendo platforms. So that limits you further. Uh, I, I would say I'm, I'd probably considered quite casual as far as an RPG fan goes. Um, but I know that you are uh, a lot more well-versed in these things. So, uh, you know, I'm expecting some deeper cuts. Uh, I don't know. I, I would say <laughs> don't go into this thinking, oh, wow, he's picked a party member from Disgaea 3. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's not the level I'm working on. Like, yeah, uh, I got bad news for those grandier heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, and I don't think we'll be reigniting the um, Suikoden versus Suikoden um, <laughs> uh, debate. Although I hear those games have a lot of party members, um, so yeah, sorry about that. We uh, there will be some hard limitations on this. I definitely think that, like mine, uh, I guess I, I, there's a, about thirty percent of this is playing to the crowd. I suppose trying to pick things that our listeners might know, mm. rather than being like, "Oh, this crazy thing you didn't even have any idea about." Like you got you got to pick this because traditionally that stuff absolutely honks in the voting, and like. I thought if there's any draft to do some like sort of bullshittery um, to try and like win votes is this draft, which isn't like mega serious compared to the other drafts. Which, yeah. by the way, as I say out loud, <laughs> mega serious is so funny for how how like uh, you and I take these things far too seriously. <laughs> so uh, yes, um, yeah, I think like for me the pivotal RPGs are probably quite obvious to a lot of people who listen to this podcast. So um, I got into this genre when I was a teenager. Uh, Final Fantasy was definitely kind of my way into it and then by the time the um, HD era comes around 360 and PS3 I'm kind of uh, skewing slightly more towards the kind of like western RPGs that are at that point starting to merge into other genres first person shooters and action games so you know a kind of like I guess like a very accessible shell for this stuff I slightly miss out on the um you know, late 90s, early noughties, uh, sort of like PC, uh, I guess you'd call it a renaissance because the genre had been around for a while by then, but like, um, you know, this Infinity Engine era of games that I know is like pivotal to a lot of our peers' kind of like tastes, that I kind of miss out on, so I'm not really an expert in any of that stuff, so that might be some area, an area where you see Matthew thrive where I fail, so um, yes, <laughs> but um, to be honest though, picking RPG companions is so daft, uh, I don't think the stakes are that high, so... I don't really, I don't really care if Matthew picks like I don't know, a, a sort of living shoe that was in tor- like um, <laughs> Planescape Torment that I didn't know about or something. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Let him have the living shoe. Um, <laughs> it's great, great writing. Yeah. So, uh, Matthew, what makes a good RPG companion to you? Do you have a criteria for this? Not really. I, I thought uh, probably least amount about their like technical role in the game. Um, it's quite interesting when you read kind of ranking lists of companions in various series a lot of the lists are about how they perform as a technical party member like if you're building a party who should be in it which doesn't particularly capture my imagination um i'm a lot more into kind of their personal stories but most of all you know just whether or not they're a a good hang 
I think, you know, the, 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 you know, the word companion, you want someone you can spend time with, you know, someone who uh, fits also into the wider party, I think is important. Like, I think there are some characters who are absolutely brilliant in isolation, but don't really contribute anything to the group. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably, I'm probably approaching this more from a sort of narrative perspective than mechanical perspective. Yeah, I think there's, to be honest, I think there's a little bit of both that go hand in hand. Um, I find it hard to, like, truly warm up to a character who is useless in battle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, if I don't have any incentive to put them in my party or and hear their, like, character barks, then, like, I, they're just going to be considered, like, you know, second or third tier to me. Um, that would happen mm. in Final Fantasy a lot, where you get to the end of the game and there'd be, like, you know, <laughs> five characters who are level 100 and then like selfie level 32. And you're like, okay, well, that's the one. She's the one who got pushed to the side. I like selfie, by the way. That's uh, that's me just uh, picking an example out of nowhere. I'm saying that like she's listening to the podcast, which is a, a fictional character in Final Fantasy VIII. But you get the idea. Um, I think you need a little bit of both at the same time. So, yeah, good, uh, good, good, uh, good call, Matthew. So, here we go, straying into the the ever dangerous, not for this podcast, um, horny territory. Did you ever have a crush on an RPG character, Matthew? <laughs> uh, so, because you know, a lot of these things I didn't play as a teenager, where I was probably more likely to have a crush on fictional beings. Not not massively. I mean, uh, like I won't lie. In in games where there are romances, y- you know, y- you obviously go for the characters you think are attractive or you're kind of drawn to you know in some in some way so like i guess you know deep down there's like a certain spark (laughs) (laughs) yeah like you know but it's like desperate because if you say them it's just so sort of it's just sort of tragic isn't it to be (laughs) you know for (laughs) miranda in mass effect 2 um she has you know, incredibly shiny bodysuit on. Uh, a very cursed yeah, eyes. So it's just, it's just like, it's an inherently cursed question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't contest that. Um, I think, like, to be honest, though, if you go back, like, you know, 10 plus years, the the sort of, like, horny for Miranda movement was in full swing. Like, uh, I'm sure you would have had a different answer to this back then. Not to put you on the spot. But that, at the same time, I am pleased he didn't just go with, like, you know... F- fucking toad and super mario rpg on the snares or something you know what i mean i actually have no idea if he's a party member or not but you know like i just you know i appreciate you sort of taking the answer seriously you know and kind yeah, of yeah i mean you yeah. gotta be honest you gotta be honest about these things like these these character designers you know knew what they were doing and they cast you know someone who was one of the you know, popular female tv characters of the day uh like it's I don't know. Like they know what you're doing. We all know what we're doing. I think we can be grown up enough to say we all know what's going on here. Yeah, I think like <laughs> I think it's okay to like sort of. Um, I think it's a very specific type of crush you develop on these characters, which is to say, like it's kind of like a functional crush in a way. You're sort of like, well, in this world in which I have immersed myself and all that sort of thing, like this character is the one who I'm the most most endeared to, who I go to speak to the most often to see if they have new dialogue choices. But I don't log off and I'm there thinking, God, I wish I could marry like Aveline from Dragon Age 2 in real life. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's not yeah. happening. So yeah. But I, I, I think like the, the age of sort of performative horniness that we live in is actually like masking what people really think, which is that they probably do fancy some of these characters. And just kind of leaning into the, oh, yeah, of course I fancy the giant lady from 
from Resident Evil, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, just just be honest. You know? <laughs> what was that message you sent me when they announced Hades 2, Matthew? Uh... <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like dooming us to another three years of performative horniness. <laughs> yes, uh, as soon as that's in early access, that's all we're going to have to fucking hear about on social media. Excited about the yeah. game, of course. Of course, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, um, no, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's true. I was certainly like, I would say that I was probably like crushing slightly harder on some of the Final Fantasy characters when I was like 14, 15. Like right. um, peak embarrassing horny age. That's all I'm saying. Like, it's just... No more details than that. It's fine. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, a, it's a strange th- thing because in some of these games, like there's weird questions of like how old these characters are now. And you, know, <laughs> you sort of think like if you, were a, if you were a 13 or 14 year old boy, you know, I could understand you crushing on the teenagers from Persona. But if I, a 37-year-old man, crush on the teenagers from Persona, you know, I think my friends would rightfully judge me. Um, <laughs> also, like, the gulf, it, you know, particularly in the 90s, between, like, character art on the box and in the cutscenes and how they actually appeared in the game. You know, like, it, the the kind of blocky polygons of, of, of people of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> like, it's very hard in my, in my mind to imagine someone, like, genuinely crushing on Tifa. But I suppose <laughs> people did. Yeah, I think it's because, like, you fill in the gaps in your imagination, don't you? It's like reading a, you know, a book or something. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's, except the character, except, you know... Imagine but... if those hard edges were soft. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you get you don't need to see like Sherilyn uh, Fenn of Mice and Men to like get an idea of what Curly's wife looks like. Do you know what I mean? Like, which is the second time I've made a Curly's wife reference on this podcast. You're really obsessed with Curly's wife. Um, <laughs> I I only... see, shamefully, it's like my one literary reference I can make. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, sorry, you were saying. Uh, I, I only bring this up because I was talking to Catherine about this. I was preempting that we were going to talk about. Uh, crushing on RPG characters because mm-hmm. I didn't want her to think I was like weird, um, <laughs> and like I definitely remember post Final Fantasy VII, like the fuss made over uh, Aerith and me thinking, like I don't get the di- you know you would definitely pick Tifa over her, which I I'm not saying is a crush, but like my brain was obviously thinking these things through, um, yeah. But I don't know if I've just misremembered that. Uh, what, as in that there was a big pro Tifa movement? Well, a big Aerith movement. Isn't she? Is she? Te- who? Like, I don't know Final Fantasy VII at all well, really. And I don't really know who the love interest is. Well, he doesn't really end up with either of them because, like, mm. um, you know, because there are no, because obviously Aerith dies. Spoiler alert. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. I just assumed she was like the love of his life. Yeah, and then like um, Tifa's kind of like his childhood sort of like, right? Not quite sweetheart, but you know, um, best friend. Um, I thought she was Barrett's wife for ages. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they make a great couple. In fact, actually, what that was one of the things I thought when playing. Um, uh, playing Final Fantasy VII remake. Actually, I thought like it dated weirdly that Barrett and Tifa lived together but didn't, or, like, had very closely intertwined lives but didn't date. Like, basically, <laughs> that feels like a kind of, like, maybe a kind of a slightly 90s sort of, like, narrative mindset more. Because uh, I was there thinking Barrett and Tifa were definitely fucking this. And, like, <laughs> you know, like that's not even a question to me. <laughs> They're spending, like, all this time together. 
Like, I, I just didn't... I, 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 I could not buy that she was just completely chased working in this bar. I was like, come on, you both have needs. Come on, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> sorry, has this ended you, me saying that? Oh, uh, uh, it's just... That's too, that's too horny. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not horny for it. I'm just being objective, you know what I mean? I don't really care. I don't care if they do or not. I'm just saying. It's a weird thing when you play it now, and I'm like... Well, these are two incredibly attractive, you know, sort of people who who coexist and have no no dynamic like that. But all these women are kind of just waiting around for Cloud to come along and sort of like um, be nice to them and and uh, or like be a bit cold and kind of woo them or whatever. And mm. I'm like, I don't know, man. Um, Maybe it's she tough. doesn't like the gun arm. <laughs> well, the other tough thing about um, Final Fantasy VII remake, I don't know if you got to this bit yet, but someone senior in that team fucking loves Jesse one of the um, Avalanche members. Because, like, she gets almost as much time and attention in that game as uh, Tifa and Aerith do, and she's a minor character in the original game. But you go to a house where her parents are and stuff, like, they definitely, like, um, love that character. Um, sorry, I've gone in a complete rabbit hole here. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, RPG crushes. Yeah, I don't really have them anymore. But then that said, like, I was playing... Um, cyberpunk uh a few weeks ago and i was there thinking well these are the characters who i'm definitely were definitely aimed at me to go and woo, mm. to go and woo and i am wooing them so am i like i'm sort of like going <laughs> yeah imagine getting invested in this shit when you're like 34 years old and then getting invested in it which is like okay well you know i just what can i say i'm just like a a, 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 a soft-brained um, games player. I don't know what I mean by that, but anyway, um, <laughs> you take my that point. Game is, I looked it up on Wikipedia because I was thinking I was toying with Rogue as a as a particular as a, as a, uh, an entry for one of these uh, draft picks, and um, it said on Wikipedia she's eighty. Oh right, well that makes sense, right? Because the of how aging works in Cyberpunk. Oh, do they age slower? Uh, yeah. Who, who? Which character is that? Sorry. She's Johnny Sewerhand's ex-girlfriend who runs the Afterlife bar. Oh yeah, that makes sense because you see her in flashback, don't you? And she's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I think she meant she Judy. She looks good for eighty. <laughs> yeah, she does. A bit like Sandra. How Sandra Bullock's nearly sixty. You're like, oh yeah, that, you know, looks amazing. Except sci-fi um, version. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So here's a question, Matthew. Uh, which game do you think has the best or most memorable RPG party? Uh, I think Mass Effect Two still takes it for me, but I. I do think it benefits from being a game about, like, about putting together a party. You know, it's a game about companionship and loyalty. So that really, like, gives their writers a chance to shine and give those characters, like, a really good framing device to kind of, you know, fully explore their lives and what they're about. You know, I think other characters, you know, don't, don't, have that benefit so i don't know there if it's if it's just you know if it's particularly those characters or particularly that game but i think i think that's that's definitely up there and the other one actually is the witcher 3 um which i know doesn't have like traditional companions but you have plenty of like ai allies and people you work with through the game which i think counts um well we've agreed that that counts for the sake of this draft yeah um and I think the fact that Witcher 3 like joins the fiction when everything's quite well established, you aren't really meeting many people for the first time. You know, a lot of the relationships, you know, they've been established in previous games or just in the lore of the world. And you kind of step into these quite fully formed relationships, which gives them all a different flavor. You know, there's no getting to know you and just kind of leap straight into the kind of meat of 
like being best buds with someone, which gives them a big advantage. Yeah, I think like I agree with you on Mass Effect 2 quite strongly. Like it's mm. proper lightning in a bottle stuff, that isn't it? And I think like like you say, there's a there's a mix of things that go into it, but having a sort of pre built relationship with a lot of characters um is a mm. massive boon in that second game because some of them literally rejoin your party and others you encounter while you're with other party members. It has the feeling of like life moving on a little bit and um when you meet these people like i don't know things are not in the same place that they were and that that's like quite a hard thing to convey in a role-playing game but it, it works really well in the interconnectedness between the mass effect games um yeah i would say this well like um i'm quite fond of games that have like fucking massive parties um or like massive Ooh. like um ranges of playable characters 14 playable characters in final fantasy 6 for example um Ooh. including some quite some quite cool um some quite cool picks in there too two of them are like optional characters um but yeah it's like a just like a massive range which i think like cements that as the kind of like the del- the one of the most deluxe kind of like snares rpgs that square square would make at the time um so mm. that's that's quite cool uh, but i think mass effect 2 is the one where i'm like yeah that's like um that's so so good that it casts a massive shadow over like three but definitely andromeda where they were struggling to figure out what the different personalities of the characters were you know what i mean or, i think they even said that they trimmed a couple because they were too close to existing characters and i think that's the sort of thing you have to do when you've like nailed it so comprehensively like they did right. um yeah interesting mm. um okay matthew so one more question before we get into it so which game has the worst party from what you've played <laughs> uh maybe recency bias but uh outer worlds i think is pretty weak outer um, worlds you mean outer worlds oh the outer worlds not the outer worlds yes you're right so mm-hmm. the outer worlds they're all just they're very they're all just decent people they're all like decent nobodies even the snarky ones are too decent everyone's like too relatable i think they feel like characters made for like mod like modern social media they're just very they're very sort of gentle their concerns are very um recognizably like modern day concerns and they just didn't didn't interest me for that reason Uh, like all of them are just like there i just remember making decisions purely on mechanics because i I didn't i didn't care which of them you know were with me there's a priest who's a little bit spicy but even he like the idea (laughs) of a really violent priest and it's you know it's a little bit a little bit obvious yeah i think like is it um pavati the character that a lot of people love um like i think she's like well drawn and everything but i did meet her thinking uh, it's almost like she was almost engineered to like be appealing uh, like she almost didn't make sense in the fictional world she came from like um which is quite portrayed as quite sort of like violent and um and yeah. dangerous and like she's just like oh i've just got a heart of gold in the midst of this and like it emerges almost immediately that's not to say that like you know um that i don't think the character has merit but like it was one i met where i thought oh i'm meant to fall in love with this character immediately and it, it just it almost felt too obvious you know what i mean yeah they're all just too reasonable i think you know yeah. that's it's a world about you know which is constantly throwing up these big dilemmas and the characters are quite kind of understanding either way like it, it, it almost feels like it's above like simple good and evil and actually sometimes a little bit of good and evil goes a long way you know i don't i don't want everything to be subtle sophisticated shades of gray all the time um because otherwise you enter the uh, god of war ragnarok zone where you're just sort of like ah oh, it's okay for people just to be outright shits once in a while like or or just you know absolutely 
Yeah, I was about to say luscious saints. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. You know, just, uh, just you know, the sweetest, purest characters. Um, yeah, never mind that. We're going, for a 25, we're going for a 25-minute ox ride. Go, jump on, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Which would you rather do, 25-minute ox ride or listen to Christopher Judge's eight-minute acceptance speech <laughs> at the Game Awards? Uh, that was, a, that was a, a soft pass from me, I'll be honest. Um, I, like, uh, I wish him well. Um, and it is funny that you made Al Pacino watch while he did it. That is like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's baller, if you ask me. <laughs> I just wonder if seeing Al Pacino just like blew his mind and he just lost track of what he was going to say because it was a meandering speech. Oh, yeah. I lost all respect for, um, not for not for Christopher Judge, the, um, the creator of uh, The Queen's Gambit when his Emmy speech kept fucking dragging on and like he basically made it so other people had to have shorter speeches that was incredibly obnoxious I was there thinking I quite enjoyed your weird chess show that dropped in the middle of um, the pandemic and had Anya Taylor-Joy being really good in it and also fucking Dudley Dursley from Harry Potter being really good in it but you know what I mean like it's it can it can it can change your judgment but um I wish Christopher Judge well I mean like he's probably never been in a position where his acting has been celebrated like that you know what I mean it's not like on Stargate you get any kind of love from the Golden Globe you know what I mean so mm. yeah I just uh, you know given that of course you once gave one of the great award speeches do you remember this uh yeah I do maybe it's better if you told the story I don't know uh it was at the games media awards and I can't remember if it was for best magazine or best website you'll best remember magazine. best magazine best magazine and it went to pc gamer and you and the team went up and the first thing you said was correct um <laughs> which really made me laugh um and I don't think I, I knew as well back then but I can remember thinking, "Oh yeah, that's a funny person." Um, oh, thank you. You know, I like I like someone doing that to this particular crowd. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, but the team started walking off, and I was like, "No, no, I should still thank the rest of the people who made the magazine," <laughs> and then kept talking. But um, yeah, I did. I think I did that thinking. I hope Edge will still like me after this. <laughs> oh no, it was funny. It was it was good. It was a, a, oh, a yeah, was a that... rare memorable speech at the Games Media Awards. Oh cheers, you know, like uh, I didn't have like a there's a lot of wacky characters that GMAs if I recall. So it was um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> a little bit of wit to stand out. Um, hmm. okay. <laughs> okay, I think we're. Uh, oh wait, I need to give my um, worst yeah. RPG pie. Uh, okay. Let me just be very clear and say that I don't have a problem with an all-female RPG party, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let me say that uh, up front. Uh-oh. <laughs> before I say that Final Fantasy X-2 is a hard pass from me, dog. Mm. So, like, yeah, it's like... I, I, it's, this is more of a tone thing. So, you know, it's fairly famous that Final Fantasy X um, is this quite somber, uh, sort of like, uh, you know, religion-based RPG. I've rambled about this very recently on the podcast. I'm not going over it again. But the second one was like, oh, but the world's liberated. Now religion's gone. And look at Yuna. She's got hot pants on and some guns. And then, like, the tone <laughs> of it is very much anime targeted at teenage girls, I would say, or maybe even younger women. And that just... It's not really for me. And I'm not saying that, like, it can't be for you. <laughs> if it is, that's great. But those characters, just watching them get into, like, uh, sort of, like, whoa kind of adventures or getting to massa- <laughs> massage mini games or that kind of waffle. There's, like, uh, you know... Sort you of, are selling me on this. Yeah, it's like, I just not, I'm not massively into, like, Pain, who's kind of, like, angry sword lady. And then, like, Yuna and Riku are just fucking shrieking everywhere, particularly Riku. And then they, <laughs> then they have to get back on their airship where Yuna's cousin brother hits on her. I fucking hated that. Like... 
that party, <laughs> I just could not bear to spend any more time with them. Especially because I was quite fond of some of FF10's party members. So it was what? like, this is the mother of tough hangs. You know what I mean? What was if they'd taken the whole Final Fantasy X gang and funned them all up? What was if it was uh, Auron in hot pants? <laughs> well, they do all appear in various roles in, oh, the, right. in the sequel. Are I... they all in, like, party relaxation <laughs> mode? No, there is a bit where... Um, I think like Riku makes fun of Waka, the Blitzball player, for yeah. being Tubby, and then it calls him Tubby and elbows him. But it's the same character model from the Final Fantasy X. So I'm there thinking, you got to at least make him look fatter for me to buy the fact that he oh, has yeah. like gained weight in the uh, aftermath of defeating an evil religious entity. I, I don't <laughs> want to see hench dudes getting called Chubby and things because it just makes me feel extra bad about myself. Yeah, so. he's in phenomenal shape compared to me, <laughs> and, uh, and also like uh, Lulu, another character, is pregnant, but is again the same character to model i was like oh man like only they must have only had like 18 months to make that game but uh, uh what yeah. about the dog man what's his what's his what's he up to? <laughs> oh kamari um <laughs> i think he's in charge of like trying to basically after like seymour the cackling campy villain from final fantasy 10 like murdered his entire species he basically is he has rounded up the uh the remaining ronso on the uh the mountain to try and uh <laughs> you know kind of like basically bring his species sort of like back to some kind of prominence um but, you know at the risk of me recapping the entirety of final fantasy 10 too <laughs> matthew those are the kind of highlights i think you encounter Auron in like some afterlifey bit later on and then spoiler alert you have to get the true ending and um Tidus, the main character from 10 comes back at the very end so uh Lots of fun, um, boring um, stuff there for people to chew on before we get nice. into this draft. So there you go. That's like that's a fucking long preamble, but quite fun, I thought, Matthew. So um, yes. should we take a quick break and come back with a draft? Yeah, let's do it. Back to the podcast. So, the RPG Companions draft. Let's go. So, the rules, which uh, Matthew insisted we have rules, which is very wise, I thought. Um, all I did was write down 10 categories, and then he was he was like, but shouldn't we have rules? And I was like, yeah, he's right, we should have rules. So, um, the characters have to be from RPGs, so you can't take them from other genres. Um, there are no main characters here, so, you know, if you look like Squall from Final Fantasy VIII, disca- disqualified. Uh, likewise, yeah. Commander Shepard. All main characters are out. Um Assume that we are the main characters in our games assembling these parties. So we have to spend time with these people. That's very important, I think. Um, And they can be AI companions from games without strict parties. I.e. Cyberpunk, The Witcher, or um, Bethesda's games where uh, they sort of tag along, follow you around. So... um, Anything to add there, Matthew, on the the, the, the kind of like the rules behind this and uh, sort of like putting a container around our thinking? Uh, Only that... Because I am the main character of the game and I'm trying to surround myself with people I'd like to hang out with, I don't know how much that's going to speak to the voters, <laughs> who may be sad not to see some of their favourites in the mix. But mm. oh, I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in like me having a good time. I also imagined <laughs> it, and I don't know whether or not this was right, that this is this is like a game we're releasing with this party. Yeah, there's some bonus categories at the end we'll right. get into. Um, so yeah, this is like basically like an art director's fucking nightmare um because you're like you're smashing together characters from across uh like you know you know different series made by made in different countries like 
uh, it, it, none of it fits together really um so it's kind of like a nightmare we're each creating basically brewing a kind of nightmare um just like a, a array of characters um mm. but I, I like you matthew i prioritize having a good hang having a good time here um that's more important i think than the listeners having a good time i will say that i think that this uh, you kind of allude to it there this has the strongest potential to disappoint in terms of like, oh, my favourite wasn't picked. That happens a lot on the draft episodes, but it's more likely to happen here where, I don't know, some mm. of these categories have like 200 people you could pick. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's difficult. And I have tried to mix it up as well. So I've tried to like not just rely too heavily on one series, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So, Matthew, why don't I go over the categories? Um, mm-hmm. I'll read them twice so people have a, a good uh, sort of grounding of this. We'll tweet them out after the... Um, episode's gone live as well so people can kind of like uh, look at these i've also put them out on social media in advance so people can um, pass them think about them have their own picks so uh category one is warrior category two is black mage category three is white mage four is support five is tank six is rogue seven is good hang eight is bad hang Nine is dies or can die, so they can die in the game that they come from. That's the the rule there. Oh, is that what it is? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that not what mm. you picked? Ah, uh, I've picked a character I'd like to die. Uh, uh <laughs> that's not what. Okay, well, let's do the rest of the categories. Come back to it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> I did think. Should I clarify this one to Matthew and thought, Nah, <laughs> it'll be fine on the day. Don't worry about it. Uh, category right, ten: <laughs> love interest. So it has to be a love interest for our main character, who is us in the game, uh, in each of our games. Um, category 11, animal sidekick or annoying child. 12, villain or anti-hero with a heart of gold. 13, inept party member you'd rather forget. Uh, 14 is wild card, so a kind of slightly um, uh, sort of stranger pick there uh, that is left to, um, left to each of us to decide what, what constitutes a wild card. Um, so yes, dies or can die, Matthew. I did. I did pick basically a character who can die as an outcome in their own game. Um, that's right. why I put can die. Um, so uh, is that not what you've got here? <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with one in time to to draft that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to play that for really cheap laughs and and use it to kill a kill a famous character. Well, uh, <laughs> well, I thought it would be good to pick like a category that ties in with a very specific Final Fantasy VII. Uh, character but also like i thought you know um you can expand this to basically any character who can die and have an emotional impact in a game um i do really wish i'd explain this to you now and i feel terrible <laughs> uh, so that's that's on me brother that's on me um, well, that's all right. i'll be able to come up i'll be able to come up with one i'll just have to you know come up i'll come up with it in the background all right sure well um you got a little bit of a little bit of a break here because i'm going to read out the categories again so um category one is warrior two black mage Three, white mage. Four, support. Five, tank. Six, rogue. Seven, good hang. Eight, bad hang. Nine, dies slash can die. Ten, love interest. Eleven, animal sidekick or annoying child. Twelve, villain or anti-hero with a heart of gold. Thirteen, inept party member you'd rather forget. And fourteen, wild card. So... Um, it's the, our biggest draft ever, but I would say we're unlikely to talk about each of these for like fucking 15 minutes like we might do with a PS2 game or something. Mm. So we should fire through it relatively quickly. Yes. Um, um, could you just clarify for, for people who are maybe unaware of the terms, uh, white mage, black mage? Oh yeah, sure. So black mage means like offensive. They use offensive magic in battle. 
um mm-hmm. you know and white mage means they use more healing magic um these are like i would say that out of the ones to pick um the class-based ones we've got here which is like the first half of the categories were the hardest for me um because a lot of modern rpgs don't use these conventions anymore so there's a little bit of finagling that goes on to try and yeah, get it to work did you did you find that as well Matthew? white mage i was just thinking like healers yeah basically so i think anyone could of heals. them use like trad magic no, but exactly. They are healers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say that it, the overall criteria is um, so that Matthew kind of alluded to it there, but they, they've got to be a good party in and of themselves, like in terms of like combat. They've got to be have usefulness, and then there's got to be an element of are they good to spend time with? Those things combined are what you're voting on, I would say. Um, although I think it will definitely just come down to like whim. Oh yeah, I like that character more, so I'm voting for for, for Matthew or Samuel. That's absolutely fine. Um, Matthew, are you feeling on solid ground for uh, die slash can die before we get into it? Yes, just give me one minute of, of radio silence while I look something up. <laughs> no problem, I'm going to get some more water. Okay then, let's do the RPG Companions draft. Matthew, uh, do you mind doing the coin flip? We're going to do a yeah, snake so draft, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. just for people at home, that means whoever gets picked first gets one pick, then the next person gets two, and then it's two right until the end, basically, um, until we've all used up all 14 of our categories. So, um, yeah, it's the, the fairest way, we think, to uh, for people to pick these. Um, so, yeah, uh, got a coin? Got your coin ready, Matthew? Yes, what would you like? Uh, Tails. Tails it is. Okay, I'm going to go first, I think. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to pick Category 12, Villain or Antihero with a Heart of Gold, and I'm going to take HK-47 from Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. It's a classic. It's a classic. A very, like One of the best written uh, companions ever in a game. Just really kind of like darkly comedic, uh, sort of like murderous robot, but also just genuinely witty and like occasionally insecure. And I think it's just, basically this character is like a one-liner machine. And I think yeah. it, it offsets some of the more serious characters you get in Kotal who are a bit of a rougher hang. Right. And certainly when, like, I think when people remember this game, this character is one of the main things they actually recall, as well as, like, the twist and, you know, its depiction of, mm. um, of, of Star Wars uh, years earlier in the timeline. Uh, I'm guessing this... Uh, uh, did you ever encounter this, Matthew? I don't think we ever talked about Yeah, Kotal I mean, this, this is sort of what I was thinking about when I pitched this. Um, I think there, there are some other examples. I think the only black mark against this character is it may be starts a trend of this kind of character <laughs> you know the kind of edge lord hilarious villain you know never quite the same but it's it's a bit of a trope you sense and it's obviously a kind of humor which spoke and influenced a lot of people who are now getting to write games so yeah, yeah. it's a little the idea that yeah sorry there's a little bit of like valve humor in this character i would say you know um mm. like a little bit but he, he is like he is quite endearing and slightly annoying as well like i think it's it's quite it's a very delicate combination of things that makes him work sorry i cut you off there matthew no no i didn't have anything uh, interesting to say <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah okay good um the other one i thought about for this well actually i did struggle with this one quite a lot um there is a villain in chrono trigger i consider for this but he's kind of boring i'm not really a fan um vincent valentine i thought about for this you know kind of like ex uh, shinra um now a vampire question mark got you know quite a good like a a famous enough optional character that he got his own terrible ps2 game so um thought about him uh and then ultimately went with uh with this so um that's my first pick matthew um yeah hk47 from kotor so what's your first pick my first pick well i get the next two picks right yeah 
Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to get Warrior off the cards. Yeah. So the problem with Warriors is that they often tie to very boring characters, like big, burly, boring warrior types. Very noble, very strong, not very interesting. So I thought I'd go with the most uh, athletic, physical character uh, in Persona 4, uh, Chie Satanaka, um, who is your tracksuit-wearing, um, sports-doing friend, just very, very good at battering demons inside people's mind mazes. Yep, I did wonder... That the, do you know what? I really struggle with Persona characters because... Um... They have stats that do suggest that they are meant to be of a certain type of character, but because of right. the way the different, like you know, uh, demon things work in there, you can be- you can make a kind of like a-, a gunner who's also like a white mage if you want to. You know what I mean? Like mm. it's it gives you that latitude. So uh, well, I, ho- I hope I hope this isn't seen as an unfair pick. No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, no, that's 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 uh, totally yeah. I honestly like. Had um yeah didn't even consider this character as a as a kind of warrior, but I'm absolutely fine with it, Matthew. That's uh, that's that's yeah, a good choice. Yeah, just, just got good good physical attacks and also like I don't know. I'm going for a certain kind of composition in my overall party, ideally. Um, and you know, I'm looking to speak to a certain audience. Um, but we'll see whether or not I'm successful by the end. Yeah, I think that's the thing is I'm I'm not a big Persona 4 guy. I've not really played it more than like five or six hours. So um, this is something you where you uh, wield a huge advantage over me. Um, so uh, well, that is that is my only Persona 4 character that I'd want. So okay, fair enough. So what is your next pick? Uh, my next pick. Hmm. <laughs> uh, this is the thing. So I don't know if how many of these things are like super super competitive. Where I'm like, oh no. Uh, I can't believe you took X. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just to make sure I get it, and to, also because I just don't have a backup, I don't think you're going to pick this character. Uh, for Black Mage, uh, I'm going to pick Namba from Yakuza Like a Dragon, who is uh, the homeless sort of 40, 40, mid-40-something-looking kind of bum. Um, a lot of these characters have... You can, due to the class system in, in um, Like a Dragon, you can make them lots of different things. Um, it's a game that kind of equates profession with classes. Uh, but his unique class is Homeless Guy. Um, and it's like a very aggressive magic. He uses like fire breath because he breathes his stinky breath into flame to cook <laughs> people. And he throws like seed at people. Um, bird seed, nothing worse. Um, to make thanks, pigeons thanks for clarifying. Swirl. Appreciate that. <laughs> to make pigeons uh, swirl on them. We never know. Like it's not that horrible a game. Um, <laughs> we just, like, sorry, it's not a horny podcast. This is not a horny podcast. Oh, like um, you did not need to clarify, but I appreciate it anyway. That's. Uh, yeah. I don't, uh, uh, uh yeah so he makes birds attack people and he like debuffs people with his like smelly homeless guy breath maybe not the most sympathetic depiction of homeless people <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say but, but you know. uh you know it's it's a, a great combination of like comedy and offensive abilities <laughs> I, I like it nambo is a good guy to have around also like not likely to kind of get in the way of of any romance 
in you know between me and other people in the party because <laughs> he's like some bum. Yeah, you know, offensive abilities in uh, two different ways. There, that's uh, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I was like, uh, I was actually, I've not played this game, but I was scrolling through the list of party members to see. Oh, who might you pick? Is there any like um, any of the men with old faces, the old men with faces, um, detailed faces from Yakuza Zero? Who I could pick, but they only appear as guest characters or like summon characters, don't they? So um, mm. yeah, I was looking at. I was looking. Is Kuze in this? You know, he's he's not. I checked. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, good one, Matthew. That's like mixing things up immediately there. Um, yeah, quite a good. Uh, so it's me, Chie, and Number. <laughs> <laughs> what a combo. A, yeah, that's good. No, I wonder how I'd feel if I saw that group of people walking towards me down the street. Um so well, so far it's me and a, like a, a kind of like a, a assassin robot, so uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, not much better. Uh okay, next up then. Two picks for me. Uh for Rogue, I'm taking Varric from Dragon Age Two. Um Ooh. the ultimate good hang in an RPG, I would say. I do have someone else for good hang though, because there are many good hangs across RPGs, obviously. Um, but Rogue is a tricky one because it's kind of like a thief class. Um, and then also, you know, Varric has a crossbow. Uh, Bianca, I've again talked about this very recently. Um, such a popular character in Dragon Age 2, which I think is a, a game that has some of the best RPG companions ever. I mentioned Mass Effect 2 earlier as like a, probably the gold standard, but this is just a notch below it. Um, the party members had to be good because you couldn't leave the city in the game. So uh, all you had to do was spend time with these people. So they had to make them real good. Um, Varric is the pick of the bunch, kind of like a, a best friend type with a really strong sort of moral compass. Basically, every, for the 30 hours of Inquisition I did play, he never left my party because I just couldn't, um, I... couldn't go without him. So thoroughly enjoyed your little bit of um, Dragon Age 2 nostalgia on the Best Levels Patreon episode. That was very, very nice. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. So, yeah, you do spend... Um, I, I mentioned it on that episode, but, uh, yeah, you get, there's a pub called The Hanged Man in Dragon Age 2. You spend loads of time with uh, with him in there. It really cements your relationship with him. Also, at the same time, um, the story of Dragon Age 2 is told in kind of like... Um, in kind of flashback there's like basically a kind of uh interrogation going on with the character cassandra interrogating varric and then the story being told of your main character hawk in retrospect essentially but then in the um in inquisition you actually get to put you know you get to see uh varric and cassandra interacting and hanging out which is such a treat i think um to, mm. to kind of as a way to kind of keep to continue the story of those characters uh, they're both fantastic, but Varric is the um, Varric is a rogue, and he's my pick for this one. So um, I feel solid about that, which is good because I did not have a backup for that uh, for that category. <laughs> <laughs> Hanged man, more like good hang man. <laughs> yeah, very good. Good hang, comma man. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right then. So next up, um, right. I'm going to take for dies slash can die. I'm going to take Thane, Krios, from Mass Effect 2. Ah, uh, blast. <laughs> so, it was tough. This was like the kind of Aerith or Thane category, ultimately. I was like, oh, this is tough. Oh, you can't pick anyone who dies in the, the different Bioware games, but this is the one where I was like, well, Thane is like a character who canonically dies. You see the end of his story, and... uh it's uh oh unless he dies in the suicide mission then you don't see the end of his story in mass effect 3 which i think we discussed on this podcast before maybe you did him a favor killing him in the suicide mission yeah it's like a slow it's like a quick death rather than a slow death it, then again yeah. if you got carried away by like fucking bees that's like a tough break isn't it um, <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah um thane yeah like he's just a 
just a very a very intense uh quite spiritual kind of like party member um always enjoyed checking in with him and you know he's very kind of like specific weird perspective on on things where you'd see that the camera would cut and you'd um you know hear his different observations about uh you know various bits and pieces in that mass effect universe uh yep just uh just an old favorite of mine matthew i'm guessing mm. you're a, a fan of this character too i think we discussed yeah. him before when I was desperately scrabbling for a, an entry for Dies Can Die in the minute you gave me before the episode, I um, yeah, I wrote down Thane, so that's me back to the drawing board. <laughs> let me say, uh, you can pick. Let, let's expand this. It can be someone no, who dies. I've, or... I've got, I've got a back. I've, I've already thought of a backup, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Getting quite intense um, there. Yeah. Originally, one of the categories which we decided to change, probably rightly, um, was like substitute father figure. Who I was thinking Thane could be a contender for that. Oh yeah, I could only think of slightly one. like oh like it doesn't have to be that much older than you, but I I think you were worried that that would just be the Auron category. Yeah, a little bit, and also I was struggling because it was like there's a couple of characters in Dragon Age who you have you meet very briefly who could be described as I think it's is it Logan you meet? I don't remember his name. Duncan, that's it. There's a guy you meet called Duncan. He's like kind of like that, but he's not really in the game for long. So yeah, mm. I struggled with that category and. Um, now you but have, I think yeah. Thane could have been your lizard daddy. <laughs> yeah, this is not a horny podcast. So, what's your <laughs> next pick, Matthew? My next pick. Hmm. <laughs> um, let's get inept party member that you want to forget. <laughs> um, which I mean, this is quite similar to Bad Hang. Um, because I, you know, they're 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 also a bad hang. Um, I'm going to go for Liam Costa from Mass Effect Andromeda. All right. Okay. Um, I just think no one has like bigger Star Trek red shirt energy than this guy. He's just an, he's like an absolute nobody, and his character traits are he's from London, and he has a couch. <laughs> and I just think in a game which is about forging a new civilization and making first contact and and like big ambitious sci-fi ideas. Giving one sixth of your party roster over to a guy who keeps talking about a couch, I think is just a really bad dud move. <laughs> um, so for that reason alone, like he would just never. I just wanted nothing to do with him. Um, he's a boring hang. He's not an interesting. Like what, what even was he in that game? Powers wise, I can't remember. Um, yeah, Liam Costa. He is first out of the airlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's like. Uh, it's it's interesting this because I feel like the the party members were considered such a sort of like weak part of um of Mass Effect Andromeda that in before they've even started production of the next Mass Effect game they certainly said oh we've hired the like main writer from Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy because we uh, you know basically the suggestion being this person knows how to write good characters and make them interact and um, and make all that side of things work. And it's right. like, that is the one thing Andromeda didn't didn't quite have going for it. Although I think you, you didn't mind some of the characters, did you? It's, uh... oh, I didn't hate them. Like, there's a guy who's basically just sort of, you know, another Krogan warrior, and he's fine, yeah. you know, as, as Krogans go. And there's, like, a Garrus alike as well. He's kind of okay. Mm. Um, but, yeah, this guy, like, if this guy's an alike, he's a... He's, um, Oh god, what was his name? Who's the really boring guy from Mass Effect Two? Jacob. Yeah, he's just like him again. Just like, just a a dude, just a nice normal dude. Yeah, yeah. Jacob's not overtly offensive, but um, yeah, I can see no, I can see why this guy would be. But uh, yes, okay, very good, Matthew. Uh, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick, I'm gonna go for Good Hang. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to take uh, Kim Kitsuragi from Disco Elysium. That is, I know that's a good pick. Um, yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> um, this, this is this is kind of playing to the crowd a little bit. Uh, though he is a cool guy. Uh, he's a guy like you know a character is successful when you start seeing his like avatar. His face uses an avatar on loads of forums and like old man PC gaming sites. <laughs> Um, you're, he obviously speaks to speaks to the, the old ways of good character writing. Um, <laughs> like, I I kind of I, I I do really like Kim in this game. I, if anything, he's kind of a person I'd rather spend time with and be like. I almost felt bad that I was playing as this like chaotic asshole who was bothering this guy who I thought was quite cool. You know, he's quite by the book, which I am also. Um, you know he's you know into the detective work in quite a serious way which i think i would be also if i was a detective you know that is uh, you know i think that would be fun um i really like that he has uh one cigarette a day i'm not a smoker but i think the idea of like hanging out with him while he has his one cigarette and just sort of chilling it's it's like a rare pocket of completely graspable calm in just the endless maelstrom of bullshit that is Disco Elysium. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just a world where everyone is a chaotic presence, mm. and he isn't. Like, he's a real anchor. I think without him, I probably wouldn't like the game. So, yeah, Kim Kim uh, is, yeah, the, one of the ultimate good hangs. Yeah, it's, I, I, yeah, that's a good choice. Um, I think you have rightly identified that a certain cra- crowd uh, finds this character extremely endearing. Um so yes, I uh, of the many people I follow on Twitter who retweet uh, Disco Elysium quote accounts, this is um <laughs> yeah, this character I see come up over and over again in that sort of like meme space. So uh yeah, yeah well done Matthew. Um okay, cool. Uh so I've got I have a tough time here um cuz I just looked up my uh, love interest and uh she's 17 years old, Matthew. <laughs> she was only 17 years old. <laughs> I was thinking that I was about to do that. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, yeah, so that's tough. Uh, gonna have to give that one a bit more thought. Um, that's, you know. No, go, go for it. Be bold. Uh, I don't know. I'm worried about optics. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe the character in the game is 17 year old you. Uh, yeah, but even then, I'm just kind of worried about the reputation I accumulate. I don't. You know, this wasn't meant to turn into like you know, this isn't meant to be a draft that like backfires on me personally. So it's... See, this is why I was thinking rogue. No one's getting upset about an eighty-year-old lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a good, it's it's a good pick. Um, okay, uh, I'll come back to that. I'll circle back. Um, <laughs> give that some more thought. Um, okay, so I'm going to take category eleven: animal sidekick or annoying child, and I'm going to take Morgana from Persona Five. Um, mm. I think incredibly loyal. Uh, like very very wise um, little cat who uh, exists as a cat in the real world who's quite feisty and then um, is a very wise kind of like uh, kind of like uh, I suppose sort of sort of uh, kind of slightly more magiciany support character like mage style support character turns into a bus as well so turns into a bus pile all my party members on there and we'll fucking drive off so I've got a talking animal companion that is also a vehicle. Um, I think that's oh, a strong big, pick. Big my neighbour Totoro energy. <laughs> yeah, that's a strong pick for this category. Um, and we can have party banter while we drive around the underground, which is what you do in Persona. Um, so yes, that's. Uh, you will also have to listen to that irritating soundbite of. That's true. When it when it's driving. That's true. Um, and that music. This is. 
for like 80 hours <laughs> like <laughs> that is a tough that is a tough hang um so yeah uh lots to kind of like uh, think about i like there. the I, I like the mental image of everyone you've picked so far being inside the morgana cat van <laughs> <laughs> what like hk47 and uh fane yeah. fane dying <laughs> <laughs> i mean like poor old fane i mean uh, will you technically which era fane are you going for i guess you, because you picked him for kandai you are you are like deathbed fame rather than <laughs> slightly happier Mass Effect Two fame. Well it's, a, well, it's a tough one because he has to be a party member. He's not a party member in Mass Effect Three, is oh, he? Yeah. He's just a guest character. He just appears for a bit for a bit in the story. Um, so yeah, I guess it is Mass Effect Two version. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, if he was like wheezing up because he's got green lung or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. Um, in the kestrel g- <laughs> syndrome or whatever it is <laughs> in, the, in the game's post credit scene uh you see him like coughing a little bit it's like oh oh no no it's not looking good for old thane so uh yeah that can be that one uh, i suppose um i did have a few different picks for this one though i thought about red 13 from final fantasy 7 um Ooh. ancient last of his species um sort of like uh talking uh sort of like yeah mythical creature and also a frog from Chrono Trigger, who is actually like a prince who is now a frog and needs to turn oh. back. And he's an incredibly adept uh, fighter. Um, plus, I love Chrono Trigger, so I wanted to give a nod to that. So uh, didn't pick it, but uh, still love that game. Um, I, have a, I have a bitterness towards Red 13 because uh, when we hired Final Fantasy VII without a memory card, and so whenever we died, we were back to the start of the game. The first time we died was that fight with Red 13 in the tower. Right. Oh, so funny that you the idea of you having to restart. <laughs> and you were like, oh, well, that's us dead. <laughs> and then the whole time you're replaying, you're like, well, we're probably going to get killed by that fucker in the tank again. <laughs> that dog thing is going to kill us. Great. <laughs> oh, I love the idea of <laughs> what doing... a fun weekend this is for us. <laughs> yeah. The castle boys we... and the boys across the river. <laughs> the year, yeah, the year is like 1999, and we have uh, invented the permadeath run of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, amazing. That's so bleak, that is. Like, uh, life without a memory card, man. That's like, you kids had it hard, do you know what I mean? Those boys across the river not have a memory card you could borrow? Is that not a thing no, they have? they didn't have a PlayStation either. We rented a PlayStation to play Final Fantasy VII. So many bad choices made. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, yeah, I've got one other pick here. Which one should I get out of the way? Hmm. I'm going to take... I'm going to take Category 5 Tank. And I'm going to take Auron from Final Fantasy X. Oh, okay. Uh, very, very close in second place was Iron Ball from Dragon Age Inquisition, um, mm. who is a, ca- a Canary character I'm very fond of. Um, I picked Oren because he is uh, one of the only bearable party members of Final Fantasy X to spend any time with. Um, he is a, a cool old dude who is technically dead. He's a walking dead man. Um, and his he is like uh, the sort of de facto strongest party member you have in the game when you're playing through the main story he's um he has like abilities that can basically uh break a character's armor and break characters like power and magic and that sort of thing kind of does all these debuffs while also thwacking them really fucking hard so um yeah a good hang and a good character so popular that he um he uh, is like a party member in kingdom hearts 2 as well um because you pluck him out uh, hades plucks him out of the underworld basically that game is fucking bonkers when you read about it on paper i'll be honest um so yes Oren, matthew thoughts on that yeah i mean uh this is the one final fantasy i have played start to finish so uh, i am aware of this guy um yeah 
it's just it's it's just like a cool anime trope, the kind of silent, silent, strong type, uh, big dad energy. I thought he was your dad for quite a lot of the game. <laughs> so I think um, I think we're my dad in real life. He doesn't play the oboe. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a, Yeah, it was when he kept talking about playing the saboteur, <laughs> started playing some like fucking gnarly clarinet solos. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. He played whatever it is, Tuzanakin on the on the clarinet and I was like, This this bangs <laughs> Oh yeah, you really ran with that, that's good. Um okay. Yeah, yeah, he is he's a he's a good he's a good lad, Oren. Um the sad thing is, right, he's kinda of like portrayed as the old man in the game. Next year I will be the same age as him, which is thirty five. You are two years older than Oren, my friend. Um that's rough. Yeah, but he he looks much worse. Yeah, you know, but yeah, it's like he's been through some shit, he's died. But you and I, we ran magazines, you know what I mean? Like that's that ages us in its own way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't see people cosplaying as us at Comic Con. <laughs> not yet. Uh, not yet. Um not yet. so what's your, your next pick, Matthew? For White Mage, uh I'm gonna take uh Sharla from Xenoblade Chronicles, who is a healer. She, you know, they don't really have magicians or wizards as such in that world. Um, but uh, I, what I always liked about this character, even though it's a character most people dump very, very quickly in Xenoblade because they realise they can just do, you know, get a lot further with other combinations. Uh, she heals people by shooting healing bullets at them with an absolutely massive sniper rifle. And it's always funny to me that she has this, like, metre-long gun barrel and she's, like, a metre away from you and she just fires a bullet straight into your face and that's what heals you. I just think that's a great twist on healing magic. Um, Also, uh, yeah, she's just, like, quite a a sort of charming charming hang. Um, Shamefully, I spent my last Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition playthrough. You can... um, the clothes that they have equipped for their stats don't have to be the clothes that they actually wear in the game, so you can kind of, like, skin them with other clothes. And so I just had everyone in, like, swimwear for the whole game. So a lot of a lot of this game, I just remember seeing Sharla running around with a huge sniper rifle in the bikini, um, <laughs> which, cynically, if I'm trying to, like, get people to buy my game, that will look really good on the box art. So uh, That's an interesting choice from you, a man who I don't consider, like, a purveyor of horny content in games. Um, was well, I'm not, but I'm trying to think of like people who like this genre <laughs> you're right it's like you're pointing at the audience going, you're the problem not me they are the problem <laughs> okay it's not my fault yeah like i think between Chie and uh Charla, I've, you know i've got uh quite a lot of the weeb market sewn up that is true actually oh god i've got I'm... and namba <laughs> <laughs> i think it's me namba and two babes <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Namba, has big, it's me, Blorco energy. I'll be <laughs> <laughs> It's me, Namba. If Namba turned up at the end of a Marvel film, I'd become the biggest uh, Marvel evangelist there ever was. Uh, you, did, you have highlighted to me, actually, how few women are on my list so far. That's like, oh, that's, yeah. that's bad for me. And I can't just... Bit tough. Yeah, I've got a sort of... Uh, th- that combined just... with the 17-year-old love interest is like not... <laughs> a, a... It's a lot of testosterone. A lot of people who are going to be looking at you romancing the only woman in the party. <laughs> yeah, that's it's tough. Yeah, got <laughs> Uh, yeah, got to reverse out of this quickly. I think so. Um, what's... In your cat bus. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, your next pick? Uh, my next pick um, uh, for Rogue. I was sort of struggling for Rogue, so it's not a class I tend to use a lot in things, and very few people are jumping out. And then I remembered uh, in Baldur's Gate, 
I used Imoen, who's sort of like she's not like your little sister, but she's kind of like the little sister kind of character who you, who kind of hangs out with you at the start in Candy Keep, and um, she's uh, she's like a thief class in the game, and in Baldur's Gate, if you've played it, you'll be familiar with this. There are lots of dungeons with loads of traps, and you basically need to send a character who can see traps into the mix before all your five idiots blunder in and set everything off. So, so much of my time with this game is just me steering Imoen around very scary-looking mazes, clearing <laughs> them out. She's basically just a glorified, like, minesweeper. Right. Um, all the kind of canary in the coal mines. As a practical tool, just as like a rogue tool, she's incredibly useful. So uh, yeah, Imowen, uh like not my favourite personality, but practically like uh, an essential piece of the Baldur's Gate puzzle. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, yeah, a, a good pick. I think I think like there, it's a good flex by you to pick. You know, someone from Xenoblade and someone from Baldur's Gate in the same same. You know, yeah. Round. That's like showing off your knowledge there, Matthew. And. Uh, another woman. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's look. It's not about that. Okay. It's about the overall party. Com- there's like there's wait there's ages to go yet. We'll see how it goes. But there's uh, the only downside with any Baldur's Gate character is uh, you will go mad when you hear their sound bites for like the thousandth time because it's like old games where they shout everything, <laughs> and she says, um, "My blade will cut you down." In this very Saturday morning American accent, mm, so that's, rough. Th- that's almost a tough hang because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of blurring of lines between the categories. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, oh, that's oh, like I I really think we should throw out the D and D alignment chart and have definitely an axis which is like good hang to tough hang. <laughs> I don't know what the other axis is yet. <laughs> I agree with you. It's one one area where uh, Wizards of the Coast can make some real it's, improvements. I think. It's like lawful good hang, <laughs> chaotic bad hang. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Uh, that should have been like this entire draft now, shouldn't it? That's, oh, uh, oh, well, um, well I've, we've just got to think of that other axis because I don't want to take lawful... Uh, lawful and whatever the other one is <laughs> yeah yeah sure uh, legal no not legal what is it <laughs> whatever it is yeah it's uh yeah yeah i can't remember but it's not yeah it's not lawful legal or anything like that that's like that sounds like a is bad chaotic yeah chaotic and lawful yeah that's that's it isn't it yeah, yeah. those are the opposites there <laughs> yeah lawful legal legal that sounds like a illegal <laughs> a bad nbc drama from the 90s um they got cancelled <laughs> after one season so yes uh so it's my next two picks, isn't it? Um, okay, for category four, support, I'm going to take Liara from Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Ooh, Liara okay. Tassoni, I think is her full name. Um, so, yes, I uh, wanted a character who kind of like... The thing is, a Mass Effect is it's hard to equate them necessarily to the different classes, but because Liara has like uh, sort of biotic abilities that sort of like uh, sort of like blur the lines between... Warrior and support. I think. Um, I think it counts here. Uh, I think we you do refer to Lyra as uh, she. I think um, because yeah, Lyra is a feminine presenting uh, of uh, the Asari uh, species. Um, so yes, Lyra is like such a beloved Mass Effect character. I absolutely love this character. Um, I think the the way that your three game story with her is explored in the DLC in two, and then um, capped off 
but the very meaningful friendship moment in three is um, perfect. That's me saying that as someone who didn't who never tried to romance Liara, uh, which you may have done, um, so your mileage may vary. But um, certainly, I think as like best friends in RPGs go, this uh, Liara would only be second to uh, Barrick for me. So uh, yeah, that's uh, Liara, Matthew. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm not as big a Liara head as you, which I think we talked about in the Mass Effect episode. Right. But you're right. Like her, her arc across the games is really good. Yeah, yeah. This is a, this is a, this is a really strong pick. Yeah. Okay. Cheers. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that, pal. Um, okay. So uh, next up, um, time to get love interest out of the way. Um, I've like detoxified <laughs> this category now. Um, <laughs> right. And I think I've, I think I've got someone uh, acceptable. So I'm taking uh, Sorceress Edia from Final Fantasy VIII. The only age-appropriate um, character in the game for me, a 34-year-old man. Um, so, uh, starts evil, evil kind of like sorceress lady, and then um, basically it is revealed that she has been mind-controlled by uh, by a, I think like a witch from the future. Um, side note, I did originally have a Rinoa from Final Fantasy VIII for this category, then as mentioned, <laughs> looked up her age, not appropriate. At the time when I was a teenager, I thought... Um, it's this cool girl with a dog who leads this kind of like rebellion. Um, she seems pretty rad. Um, you know, just to be very clear, Sorceress Edia is, is who I'm picking. Never understood why she was. Uh, never understood why Sorceress Edia was uh, dating Sid in this game, who is like a man, a very like looks like a he's a head teacher of the garden in the game, and he's the most kind of like slightly overweight sort of like dad in his 50s looks like he presents countdown energy um dude uh, married to this um yeah <laughs> basically like um mystic mega babe it never really made sense to me but um i was discussing that uh, off air before this uh, before this episode so my love interest is sorceress edia matthew um from final fantasy 8 um so these are my two picks what's your next one uh i'll go with loving Love interest also. Now, I must admit, before we started recording this, uh, I had got really confused about this one, and I thought this was like you could propose someone to be a love interest rather than it had to be a love interest from a game. Yeah, well, uh, th- this is not a character you can romance necessarily in the game itself. That's I think I just picked someone who would be your who could be the ro- the love interest in this game i guess that's kind of how i saw it right. or did you pick people only people you could romance in which case i'd have no, to repick. no well I, I again I, I was thinking i was thinking like cynically of like you know trying to kind of cover all the bases of different types of fandoms <laughs> and also like merchandise opportunities <laughs> And I was thinking about various Disney princesses from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried about where this is going, but continue. No, 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 because they're they're like they're all, like they're women. Well, yeah, I mean, dep- I mean, you know, Ariel, no, you know, what I mean, that's like you know, yeah. Well, I was toying with Rapunzel, who's in Kingdom Hearts three, <laughs> but I like I don't know. That's weird. I you know that that's 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 playing again. That's playing to a crowd that I don't really want to kind of engage with. Really, yeah. Mini mouse, um, it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Donald Duck's very angry wife. Uh, I think he has an angry wife. Yeah, he's got big wife guy energy, Donald Duck. <laughs> um, no, I won't go for a Disney princess, even though, like, on the box, that would absolutely like do this game wonders <laughs> it would make it look so bootleg having a disney character in it amongst all this <laughs> next to sheer <laughs> yeah. number <laughs> big like market dubious market energy to that uh, i just worry it says a lot about me as well i don't like i'm not saying like i'm into like the disney princess thing that's not like 
that's not my deal at all. I don't think anyone listening um, to this podcast was ever ever concerned about that, but um, it's good yeah. to clarify. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to go for I'm just going to go for a, 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 an actual legit romance option from The Witcher Three, um, but not uh, not Yennefer or Triss, who are the kind of main two who who Geralt is sort of torn between. I say he's torn between, like he literally sleeps with anyone and everything in this game. Um, if you've given the option, at least it did in my version. Uh, so I'm going to go for uh, the sorceress, Kira Metz, um, who you do a kind of quest with relatively early on about a spooky island with a spooky tower. Um, uh, uh, no, a spooky dungeon in this like forest area, rather. Um, and she's just uh, uh, a slightly kind of like uh sharp uh sort of i don't know what the right thing would be for her she's like she's 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 clearly had you know got an ongoing relationship with Geralt but they're not like the close to friends um she's a little bit snarky like you're not best mates at the start of this and you end up sort of romancing each other i think you have a nice little romance scene at a picnic with her um which is uh, very nice very pleasant uh you know I'm probably more interested in a picnic, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, she's also like age appropriate. Uh, you know, she looks like she's in her 30s, maybe even 40. Hard to tell with sorceresses. Um, yeah, I like Kiramets. I like a lot of the, the the love interests actually in this game. I think they're relatively sort of grown up mm. uh, in how they deal with romances you know a lot of them are characters who sort of understand that they're having a bit of a fling and it's kind of like do you just want to have a little fling you know and then there's there's a slightly more nuanced relationship with like Yennefer who's meant to be like the love of your life um quite an unhappy ending in this game if you date everyone and try and um yeah <laughs> as, I, as I learned um <laughs> not 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 a, a jolly future for Geralt uh in that version of events but um yeah, Kiramets, uh slightly a slightly quirkier sorceress, but um, delightful company. Is it like in uh, Persona Five, where if you like romance too many of the women, they basically all come into a cutscene and then beat the shit out of you, and that's kind of like uh, consequences of, of it? Is it like yeah, of... yeah? But you 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 can sleep with everyone, right? Uh, uh, and uh, you know, it's only yeah. Then much later, do you have to kind of deal with the consequences of that? Um, mm. Yeah, I won't spoil it for people who are planning <laughs> to play it afresh because of um, the the revamped versions. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we, I think we I had a I had a pretty good time. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good to know. Uh, that's good. Is that one of your two picks? You got another one for Animal Psyche? Does it have to be a, like a, a playable and like a an, a full companion, or can it just be an animal that is in an RPG? Uh I think it's like maybe case by case this one. I suppose like I did try and pick like characters who were party members, but then some of these cat right. some of these categories we've not done that, so it's like yeah. yeah. So I was thinking like uh, just trying to go for something incredibly cute. I was I was going to try and get away with the chocobo chick from Final Fantasy Thirteen. Right. Okay. Yeah. What the one he hides in the dude's hair. Yeah. Yeah. I thought like you could surely think of a more like a more present character than that right did you struggle with this category uh a little bit because i don't like animals in games <laughs> you know i'm not like i don't i don't spend a huge amount of time there are lots of things i was thinking like you know is kamari an animal 
yeah, you know, I think he kind of is, but is he a sidekick? I mean, he's like a protector, isn't he? He's sort of like... Yeah, you know. and that's the thing. Then there's Ricky, the, like the Nopon uh, from the Xenoblade series. They're like cute little furballs. That sounds, that sounds um, about right, but, you know. Uh, yeah, but I didn't want him because I didn't want a Xenoblade pick. Um, <laughs> Are you worried Xenoblade uh, won't play to the masses, Matthew? No, well, I've got some other Xenoblade people. Right. The thing about the Chocobo chick I learned from looking at on Wikipedia is that in Final Fantasy XIII, uh, the Chocobo chick has taken human form and is a babe called Chocolina. Oh, is that meant to be the same character? Because I, yeah. I did encounter that character, but I wasn't there thinking, oh, yeah, it's that bird that used to live in my <laughs> mate's hair, but now she's, a, now she's an attractive woman. Like, Yeah, apparently that's the, same, that's the same character. She's got very cursed furry energy, that character, when you meet her. it's like, Oh, maybe I don't want to engage with that. Yeah, that would be a bad hang for me, um, but yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe not the cute bird. What about Pokemon? Uh, I think, like, I don't know. There's so many of them. It's like Animal Sidekick opening up all of the Pokemon. It's that, like... Otherwise, I would have just had a Pokemon category. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You could, I think oh, yeah, I'd, let, I'd let you take Pikachu for it because he walks around after you in um, Pokemon Yellow. That'd be... Um, it's built into the game. I'd let you have Pikachu if you want it, Matthew. Oh, but I hate Pokemon. <laughs> I'm, I really you suggested this category. <laughs> I, I really had my heart set on Chocobo Chick. That's fine. Well, just take it. It's fine. It's just a bird. Yeah, that's that's okay. It's just a bird that turns into a beautiful woman later. And only appears in cutscenes, as far as I can tell. I don't think you... Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's absolutely fine. That's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, good. Good stuff. Um, okay. Uh, so, we're on to me. Weirdly, I don't have a pick for Warrior anymore, because I've moved my list around um, quite a lot. Um, uh, okay. So... <laughs> I think like bad hang. <laughs> <laughs> bad. I've got to be careful not to take too many Final Fantasy X characters here. Um, so I'm going to take for bad hang. I'm going to take Goofy from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> 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 they were like it was tough between him and Donald Duck. They're both a bad hang, I would say. But oh like, oh my god! I mean, like just so inane, <laughs> you know. But like Goofy is at least like Donald Duck is at least like semi-intelligent whereas Goofy's whole thing is like gore or shit and he's just a fucking he's just a <laughs> fucking idiot and like that for like 120 hours and going through dungeons and stuff I mean the thing is I did hang with Goofy when I played Kingdom Hearts and it was a bad hang so I can objectively say <laughs> he is a bad hang second place though was Wacker from Final Fantasy X who is incredibly like has built up a reputation for being like the ultimate companion dick in like japanese rpgs and like the modern discourse and i don't disagree um but yeah we go for goofy for bad hang i'm guessing you endorse that matthew oh yeah i can't stand the guy i just don't really know what his whole deal is the one for the- i don't even know what he's meant to be i thought got a dog thing i don't know but um yeah i thought he was like, meant to be a cow because he like hangs out with that there's that cow that's always trying to like seduce him <laughs> uh yeah 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 I like in like Goof Troop. He's like I think he was married to another dog woman, and then like right. they broke up. And it's about a divorced dad, isn't it? Goof Troop, and uh, it's like yeah, very strange nineties Disney show. Um, and the whole because there's always that thing about why is it that Goofy is allowed gets to wear clothes and be Mickey Mouse's friend, but Pluto, another dog, 
is banished to live in a kennel and is a dog. Yeah, it's like it's like Animal Farm, basically. It's like a class system. You know what I mean? Like it's very complicated. Goofy is such a bad eye. <laughs> yeah, the one the one redeeming thing for Goofy is, um, and my ex told me this. Like she's playing Kingdom Hearts three, and she said. Um, there's a bit where the entire Colosseum in ancient Greece collapses, like is destroyed by Hades, and then Goofy just goes, <laughs> "Gorsh, I hope they had insurance." <laughs> 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 that made me laugh for about two weeks because I'm just very immature. Um, so yeah, Goofy is bad. Hang right, wild card. I've got two amazing picks of wild card. So it's between. Uh, dungeon man from earthbound who is a man who is literally an rpg ju- dungeon which is a very earthbound <laughs> thing to to do um and uh democratus from anachronox which is a planet shrunk down to become an rpg companion i think i'm going to take anachronox um the anachronox one De- democratus because it's like you get a whole you you you're exposed to that entire world and it's like whole its whole thing it is like a satire of democracy and how things can move slowly in a democracy basically and then yeah and then the planet resolves to like well we'll join your party then it's like a yeah like a planet that's a party member um and i think that's pretty good for a wild card um god damn i need to play an acronym yeah it's like that gives me a little bit more of the classic rp crpg cred you know um which i'm i'm kind of lacking a bit next to your um uh disco elysium and uh boulders gate pick so an acronym it is but I do very much recommend to people that they go and uh, look up Dungeon Man in Earthbound because it will make you laugh. It's like, kind of looks a bit like the tree from Kirby. Um, just this very perturbed looking <laughs> walking dungeon thing. Really, really strange. Um, yeah, top <laughs> stuff. So, uh, yes, those are my two picks, I think, Matthew. Yeah, they are. Mm, okay. Uh, so, for uh, for support... Uh, I'm going to take uh, one of the Xenoblade 3 characters, Tyon, who is an expert strategist uh, and fights with these paper birds. His like, role in the game, in the world of Xenoblade 3, everyone is kind of recruited into this sort of army in an endless war. And so they're all kind of teenagers. They sort of, they're, they're, they're sort of born kind of old and then they live for 10 years and die. Um, is the kind of setup to it, and that they all they're all assigned different roles. Um, unhelpfully, after a certain point in the game, like everyone can be any class. It's like a big class switcheroo game. Um, but uh, Tyon is is like the uh, I think it's strat. I think the class is called Stratagem, maybe. Uh, and his whole character is built around that. He he's he sort of sees everything five steps ahead. Uh, all his moves are about like buffing and evasive speed and things like that. So classic kind of support role, um, and that's the role he serves in the story as well. Like Xenoblade Three is a really interesting one in that you have a party of six that remains the same throughout. You know they're they're established probably in the first five hours you know they're brought together and they they're always together you never split them up so i don't really feel like you ever get to go off and and have like individual adventures with anyone you don't really get to build any particular personal relationships it's actually one of the very artful things about the game i think is how it handles 
you know, that every scene it has, there are six voices in the room and they all feel relevant or, you know, they don't just sort of sideline any of them. You know, they're, they're constantly thinking about the group dynamic, which is quite interesting. But uh, as as this particular class, which again isn't a class that particularly speaks to me um, mechanically, um, yeah, I'm going with Tyre. Yeah, okay, good. I like I like hearing you wield your expertise in, in this series too, uh, Matthew, because I think that, like... <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd like the Nintendo voting um, sort of like fan base. Part of our fan base will uh, will appreciate that. Um, certainly, Balladeer will. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the uh, I feel like the there was quite a lot of like Xenoblade love this year, but it bubble seems to have burst a bit. It hasn't made it to many Game of the Year lists. Mm, I think that's just because it's so because it's like. Th- three games in to a series where each entry is more than 100 hours long like it's yeah. it doesn't have strength in numbers i think it just has probably like an advocate per team you know what i mean who, who yeah. reviews each one yeah. that's tough you know yeah yeah okay cool uh so what's your next pick uh my next pick mm, bad hang yeah uh <laughs> i'm actually gonna pick tully from mass effect all right for it's sorry is this a character in the first one yeah okay i've forgotten this character completely so it must be a bad hang it which character is it? Oh, Tali. Sorry. Ta- oh, right. Tully. I call her Tally, I think, in my head. Sorry. That's... Uh, oh, Tally. Yeah. I, th- Tully. I think it said Tully. I was confused. Sorry. Tully. Tully? I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah, Tally. I think it is Tally, I think. Yeah. yeah. Who is... Uh, I just... A, a character some people to have, have seem to have, like, real affection for, but has never done a thing for me. She's the one who looks a little bit like a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Um, she's sort of hidden behind a mask. It, I find her quite unknowable because of that. Also, just her, the culture she comes from so sort of defines her in terms of she, all she ever talks about is this very grim life on the flotilla. Well, it's just the very definition of a bad hang. It's like <laughs> whenever you get to spend time with this person, she's just generally kind of sort of mourning her quite bad situation, which she's well in her right to. Like, absolutely. Like, it is a bad situation. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just... It's, it's that, and I honestly think, like, not not really being able to sort of have a kind of face to interact with i just i find this this character very very hard to make a connection with Mm. i you know i don't think she's like hated i don't know if she's anyone's like favorite character i'd be concerned if she was in this particular cast of characters but um yeah for me just just a a real a real duffer there's that slightly mad rogue character in dragon age inquisition Mm. Oh yeah, she's quite hard work. Again, sort of by design. Like she, she, you know, she's quite a hectic character, kind of keeping up with her mind running at a million miles an hour, and it's is is quite hard to kind of get a foothold. I was also thinking for this. And I don't. This is I don't, this is some kind of heresy. I don't actually think Barrett in Final Fantasy VII is particularly good. <laughs> no, not not necessarily. No, he's a bit like you know. Obviously, he has, the original Barrett has some stereotypical issues with that presentation of that character and his dialogue he does he's always he's always at 110 percent this personality right it's like you've got, got to calm down you know like it's yeah we need a bit of a bit of relaxation here um in order for us to yeah. interact and, yeah. and that's that's specifically with the hanging bit you know like yeah. he serves as you know that big old gun arm great in combat you know he's quite iconic all that kind of stuff but uh would I want to hang out with him just bellowing in my face the whole time? Probably not. Yep, that's true. It's um, I will say that like I, I've like softened um on him since uh, playing Final Fantasy VII because um right. there is a part where um when you're climbing the uh the what's it like the rubble I think it is and um to get to like the sort of Shinra uh, tower um 
there's a bit where he's like, oh yeah, when I first met you, Cloud, I wasn't sure about you. In fact, you are quite possibly the worst person I have ever met. And I found him very endearing at that moment. I thought, well done, Square Enix. That's like, uh, that's good. You've given him this character a bit of life. Whereas before, he's just like, the planet, Marlene. And like, we've got to destroy Shinra. And he just starts firing his machine gun at stuff. And I'm like, ah, you know, this guy's, he's too much. He's too much. So, uh, yeah. yeah Any guy who just leans into firing his gun arm because he's got like, <laughs> he's got really a point to make. Yeah. You're like, yeah, 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 we get it. Yeah. I've got, I've got to admit as well, like, I think Tally is a good pick for this, though, because, like, I when I was going through Bioware Companions, she, she didn't even enter my mind as a possibility. I hadn't even thought about her until you mentioned her just then, which um, I think does <laughs> tell the whole story. So that's good. Okay, my next two picks, Matthew. Good hang. I'm going to take Nick Valentine from Fallout 4. Um, the uh, Basically, like a sort of old school noir detective but he's actually an android i think he's like such a great endearing character i traveled with him constantly in fallout 4's endgame he was just always there um he's also very good at hacking computer terminals but yeah he is like a kind of man out of time character but not in a super contrived way um has a trilby just a great creation a great uh sort of product of fallout's world uh yeah incredibly endearing character i would be happy to have him in my weird party i'd be like get on the cat bus nick valentine and he'd sit down it'd be good <laughs> thoughts on this one matthew yeah yeah I, I did i was looking through fallouts for potential companions and this is the only one i kind of even considered allowing into my group <laughs> i think preston garvey is a good vote for bad hang yeah um yeah there's a few of them is uh who's who's kind of hard work is he the one who's like buzz Lightyear? yeah that one no he's um he's the like the minute man guy the one you meet quite early on with the hat. Oh, yeah. He's always... He is boring. Trying, the guy who's basically, every time you see him, he's like, you need to go and <laughs> defend this greenhouse against mutants. And you're just... Your whole relationship with this just endless chores because they're literally, like, procedurally generated till the end of time. Yeah. I was... um, It was Paladin Dance I was thinking of, who's basically buzzed like, yeah, he is. Oh, right. He's, <laughs> he's a fucking tough hang. Um, So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I was with you. The only other character I thought about from uh, Bethesda Games for this was... um. For, for Tank, I had uh, Forks from Fallout 3 and 4 um, as one of them. He's like a, like the only intelligent super mutant, basically. Um, right. Quite a, quite a thoughtful and sad figure. I'm very, very fond of him, um, even though he turned on me at the end of Fallout uh, 3 and then died, which um, I was devastated about for about uh, two months. So, uh, yeah. Uh, really? Uh, well, you know, just like I thought about it on and off. I thought, damn, if only there was some way... <laughs> I could have. I don't think he was happy with the decision I made at the end of Fallout Three, and he was like, "We can no longer be friends. Goodbye." And then it just said, "Forks is no longer your party." And then five minutes later, it said, "Forks has died." And I was like, "Jeez!" Oh, it's like, yeah. Did you find were you waking up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, just going, "Forks!" <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> going back to sleep again. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. So you know, it's. Tough break for four. Indeed, there. yeah. But I like um, Piper. I quite like her in Fallout Four. But I probably wouldn't pick her for good hang. It was just like no. uh, she's just she's fine. Um, <laughs> okay, next pick, category two, Black Mage. I'm going to take Vivi from Final Fantasy Nine. Now, there's a little bit of like playing to the crowd here because it's such a beloved character, um, little Black Mage boy who um, you meet at the start of the game, but has uh, some quite like dark mysteries behind his origins and true nature. Um, and a, and a, a, quite a sad story. Um, so, <laughs> disclosure: I have not finished Final Fantasy IX, um, but I've sure played the first ten hours of it six or seven times in my life. So um, I feel I feel like I've spent as much time with Vivi as um, someone who has completed the game has, except mine has been the same time over and over again. Um, so that's uh, that's on me. Um, but yeah, Vivi is a good pick, I think, for this one. 
So, yes, I wanted a black mage. Thought about Morrigan for Dragon Age Origins for this, but she's a little bit too arch to spend time with. I'd rather have Vivi on my cat bus. Plus, there's a little bit of youthful energy in uh, quite a wholesome way. And has a little a little floppy hat. Good character. Next pick for you from you, Matthew. Mm. <laughs> uh, for die slash can die, uh, I am going for uh, Bomb from Paper Marrow, the Origami King. Okay, explain. Uh, he is a Bobom who joins you for a stretch of the adventure. He's your companion. He's in your party, so I think he counts. Uh, and uh, all three, uh, you you tackle various enemies along the way, and uh, he ends up valiantly sacrificing himself uh, to blow up a boulder. He finds, I think, he either finds or he has on him like the fuse of his deceased best friend. And he inserts the fuse into himself and lights himself up and blows up this boulder. And then you have a quite a sad little scene <laughs> where Mario kind of sits on a bench and thinks about the death of his friend. Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got another one along these lines later. Don't worry. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's the it's the age old castle cliche with Paper Mario. It's it's the the psychology of Nintendo characters. Yeah. Like what goes through a Bobom's head. <laughs> Um, before he serves his his final purpose, uh, this game investigates that while also being a real hoot. So um, yeah, but bomb, uh, we hardly knew you. Uh, uh, I will tell you my original pick when I thought it was just like we could just enlist any RPG character to kill them off. Yeah. Uh, I was going to use it to kill Big the Cat from Sonic Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. But uh, he doesn't die in that, sadly. That's good. I sort of like, I don't want to accuse this uh, this game of uh, ripping off uh, a death, Matthew, but uh, is this basically what happens to uh, Cat Sith in Final Fantasy VII? Sort of sacrifices himself, but then he doesn't... He, Cat Sith comes back, kind of, so... Uh, yeah, maybe this is a bit. Yeah, original. I think I think Bobom appears as like a ghost. Yeah, uh, in various places, but um, yeah, it's, yeah it's just it's just very noble. Yeah, that is good. Um, I do also like that psychology of a Bobom can be the follow up to uh, your book, Psychology <laughs> of a Goomba. Um, it's a th- one thousand pages. Um, it's like uh, eighty nine ninety nine from Tashin, uh, available in all good bookstores <laughs> soon. Uh, great for your coffee table. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a really good one, Matthew. And um, yeah, again, I think expands the remit of your picks a little bit past mine, which I, I admire. Mm. Um, what's your next pick? Um, I was going to say, like, it opens me up to kind of Nintendo fandom, but I just think the idea of like someone who's like, oh, Bobom from Paper Mario, you love Paper Mario, and then they buy this game for their 10-year-old, and then it's got, like, some incredibly explicit sex scenes with Kira Metz from Witcher 3. Uh, they'd be like, what is this game, man? Like, what happened here? Yeah, I never really um, thought about those two things coexisting. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's a bit, yeah, a bit strange, really. I think it'd, like... Well, just the idea of that 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 love scene happening, but, like, in your eye line, there is a Bobom looking at you. Also, <laughs> the thing is like that the bad hand character still has to be there as well so <laughs> so there's me like hitting on sorceress eddie while goofy's in the back <laughs> like, like he's going Gosh. yeah next to the planet from anachronox <laughs> <laughs> these are terrible terrible games we're making absolute like frankenstein awful nightmares um yeah. It's episodes like this that make me glad that a few developers listen to this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shows showcases our thinking in case they're ever thinking of hiring like a senior writer or something. Like I think <laughs> genius at work right here. Um, um, yeah. So my villain or anti-hero with a heart of gold, 
Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Vernon Roach from The Witcher 2 and Witcher 3, who I think counts as a villain because he is fundamentally quite racist towards elves. Right. Um, he's uh, a sort of Temerian soldier who is tasked with killing the, the elf uh, gorilla fighters who are called the Scariotel in um, The Witcher 2. Um, but, like, despite this, he is an, he is an incredibly good hang. Um, <laughs> like, the elves... I'm not saying it's right that he hates the elves, but the elves are quite an unpleasant bunch. Like, you, the, the big choice in the first act of The Witcher is basically whether you side with... Um, Vernon and Co. or the elves he's fighting, and then that that changes the second act. Um, but I I liked spending time with him. He's a very conflicted man. Like he fundamentally wants what's right for this this country, and uh, it, he's pushed into some quite like dark places. And he's involved in a lot of The Witcher Two's really like very best moral conundrums like he's often there trying to talk you into like taking revenge on his behalf and it's actually quite rare to have a character who is i think that um he's he's like a very rare shade of gray character i would say where actually like you know he really makes a good case what he advocates for is often very bad um but you know what also goes into the mix is that he's quite likable so you kind of want to do sort of right by him so you can stay mates and it it just it just raises like a big old soup of conflicted thinking which i found really exciting playing the witcher 2 he's actually a bit more chilled in the witcher 3 though hilariously like what happens with him in the witcher 3 sort of decides the fate of the entire continent from a military perspective right. and so like i basically doomed loads of people just because i wanted to stay friends <laughs> with him uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is because like we were, like i thought well i put up with all that shit before you know so i should pr- i should just go through with it i don't want him to think less of me um so uh you know, I actually wrote in my notes. I do the same for you, Samuel. <laughs> yeah, thanks. You know, like me, me, your racist pal, who you have let. <laughs> no, 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 you're racist. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. You would let entire continents. I would do continent for my friends. That's what a loyal friend I, I am. I would, do, I would um, do Wales for you, Samuel. <laughs> yes, I mean that's that's kind of equivalent of what we're talking about yeah. in The Witcher. I also like him because he's got the same name as the horse, which is confusing. <laughs> I uh, did wonder if you meant but... the horse originally. I thought, how is that an anti-hero? It's like your little. <laughs> companion isn't he well that's the twist in the witcher 3 he's <laughs> evil as shit um he just goes around kicking off the heads of urchins um no vernon roach um and it, i looked at he's definitely called roach because it's it's r-o-c-h-e i thought it was like roche like or like like roche like ferrero <laughs> roche <laughs> uh but it's not it's yeah it's Roach like the horse. Yeah, appreciate you saying Ferrero Rocher there. So I got the uh, got what you're going for. That's uh, that's good. Um, yeah, very good, Matthew. Um, that's a really good pick, actually, with a really good. I think there I picked someone super safe for that that category. Uh, no, I like he uh, HK47 is like the classic like evil companion you put up with. Because yeah. the uh, the other ones I was looking at, they're just not like, great hangs. Right. Like they're just in, like I was thinking of um, Jack in Mass Effect Two. Yeah, she's a tough hang. But that's the thing. She's just, like, evil because she's been messed up by Cerberus. And her whole character is like, fuck Cerberus, I want to get Cerberus. And you're like, yeah, I get that. But also, like, can you chill so that we can, like, hang out in the bar and flirt? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Never mind your trauma. I'm trying to get off with you, Matthew Castle. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, not covering myself in glory. In this so episode. yeah, you've got that, and I've got dating seventeen-year-old Renoa. So this is like it's it's gone terribly, terribly <laughs> wrong. Uh, no, that's yeah, that's um, that's a good choice. I think yeah, I think it's like I never like could be mad at Jack because I was like yeah, you did you do have a really tough background and like yeah, um, visually she is very stylistically different to the other party members. But um, yeah, it's just like but it doesn't make her a good hang. That's a lesson. Um, mm. <laughs> okay, so back to me, right? Yes. Okay, I got three more picks. So, don't worry, we'll recap all these at the end. We know it's a lot of categories. Um, so, for Warrior, I'm taking Cassandra from Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, she is from Orlais in the game, a square brackets uh, <laughs> of fantasy France. That's what basically um, Orlais yeah. is. <laughs> As a French accent and everything. Um, she was a member of the Chantry who became, uh, I think, disillusioned when there was basically like a, a big war between... Um, like uh yeah forces of magic and um, other factions in dragon age but she maintained a moral compass throughout um i did pick her thinking having her and varick in the same party i know that equals good um party banter um so i've got that built mm. in not sure if they'll maintain the same vibes or fucking goofies there on the cat bus that's like to be decided um or like presumably the fantasy characters aren't going to wig out by the presence of a robot. <laughs> yeah, or two robots and Nick Valentine as well. They're be like, what the fuck are these guys? About? <laughs> or a planet? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, lots to think about there. But yeah, I'm, I'm very fond of Cassandra. Um, yeah, I think she's a, just a great a character. Like who's firmly in that supporting role in um, in two, where she's almost like an antagonist, and then in Inquisition you get to see the kind of like layers to that character. And I like it when you get to see what is clearly like writers falling in love with a character over the course of multiple games and i feel like you see that with cassandra um the Mm. way they bring depth out of her so yeah i feel like that's a strong choice um inept party member you'd rather forget kimari from final fantasy 10 step right up um now there's nothing like wrong with kimari's personality right but i've played final fantasy 10 i've completed at least like seven or eight times and in all those times I never got Kamari to the point where he was like a usable party member. And here's why. The problem is he has no set kind of like class that, you, that, 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 that the game pushes you down. The whole thing with him is you start on the at the very start of the sphere grid, which is the progression system in the game. You pick which direction you go. But all it means is that you can basically make Kamari mimic another character. But because you already have all the other characters there's no incentive to use kimari over those characters so i think he is fundamentally a weak character and so yeah i think uh he's like he's a, he's a perfectly fine hang like he sort of seems a bit gruff at first and then he sort of like warms up but yeah in terms of like usefulness in battle i always thought kimari was quite lacking did he get much um playtime when you and Catherine were playing ff10 matthew not really. Is there a bit you have to use him when you have to go and like fight his mates up a mountain? Yeah, I did that, and then my Kamari had like two hundred HP, and I was like, oh, okay. At that point, it's like near the end of the game. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Kamari, Kamari sucks. He does a little bit, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, those are my two, Matthew. So I've only got one left after this, but what's uh, your next? Are these your last two picks? Yeah, these are my last two. Yeah. So. Um... For Tank, uh, I'm going to be boring, go for another Xenoblade character. This is mainly because I was struggling to think of like classic tanks, and maybe this is just my lack of uh, RPG knowledge, but I was struggling to classify people. Um, uh, Dunban in Xenoblade Chronicle, who I think counts as a tank, he draws lots of attention to himself, and he just does it with like high evasion rather than high defence. Um, uh, and 
you know, if we want to argue with that or not vote for me because of that, then then go for it. Uh, <laughs> he is uh, a great contender also for substitute father figure. He's like the old guy in the group. Uh, he wielded the Monado, which is the big, the kind of iconic sword at the heart of the game. He wields it uh, in, the, in the opening prologue before giving it to Shulk, who becomes the main character. I really like him because he has uh, an incredibly flowery, I mean, literally flowery battle cry. Uh, it's called, the move is called Blossom Dance. And it happens in four steps. And at each step, he shouts a different thing, which if you play this game with its battle cries, you will hear so many fucking times. Um, but every time I, I like it, he says, Born in a world of strife, we choose to fight against the odds. Blossom Dance! Um <laughs> which I find incredibly charming. Um, he's voiced by um, the actor-comedian Rufus Jones. All right. Um, uh, which never seems to... Co- uh, you know, which also t- tickles me that there's this guy who does this really full-throated performance. He talks like this. He's like, done man, everything's really... You know, he's just really urgent and serious, and he's a really good leader. Yeah, I fucking love Dunban. I think he's, I think he's really, really cool. If I was like... Uh, a teenager playing Xenoblade, I would have been like a big dumb ban head. <laughs> um, and, you know, I could never, he, you know, he wears quite an elaborate, like almost like, uh, he sort of looks slightly dandyish, but he'd be like, you know, if I ever had the guts to, to cosplay um, when I was thinner, um, I would do dumb ban. If I did him now, no one wants to see fat dumb ban. <laughs> 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 that isn't. That just isn't something the world needs. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, so he's got like a fencer's physique. He's like svelte, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, yeah. I'd be like, oh, Dunburn, <laughs> Wabba, man. Yeah. The time to do it was like straight after your uh, straight after your wedding, I think. Like you know, just like you know, yeah. Spot. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I sort of. Uh, do you say blossom dads? Is what they say. Blossom dance. Oh, blossom dance. Yeah. It's blossom dads. Okay, that makes more sense. Oh no, he doesn't. <laughs> blossom dads. <laughs> yeah, I thought that could be us. We could be the blossom dads. That could be our. No, he does no. the blossom dance. Okay, but yeah, repeating his little chant, which uh, yeah, I'm very tied to. I, um, I don't want you to let go of this dream that you could one day cosplay as this character. I don't want you to feel like your weight has ruled out. Uh, like a, a yeah. possible la- life path for you, you know what I mean? I'll um, I'll cosplay as him at our um, live event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another reason we would have come. We can jack up the oh, jack up the ticket prices. Cursed. Jack up the ticket prices by five quid. Knowing that, that's uh, <laughs> spot on. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, was that your second pick, or do you have another one? I think I've got one yeah, last yeah, one. Yeah, sorry. Uh, which is my wild card. Um, and I'm afraid I'm returning to the Paper Mario mine for this one because <laughs> it's got some like really weird characters in it, or, or, like weird given like the universe they come from. Mm. Uh, this one's from Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. It's Admirable Admiral Bobbery, who is a Bobom sailor. So quite like Bobom from Origami King. Um, <laughs> so two Boboms in your party. <laughs> yeah, there's two Boboms. One kills himself. <laughs> And this one uh, is incredibly sad because his wife died while he was away at sea. <laughs> Jesus, okay. <laughs> and I think the idea of a, a bomb widower is just what a, like a mad thing to have in a game. What a mad thing for Nintendo to do. Um, you do cheer him up, like you know, you cheer him up, and he joins your party, and you know, you know, he stays with you to the bitter end, which is nice. Um, but yeah. 
for like yeah uh, like a really sort of psychologically scarred bomb i think is uh, a, a nice companion piece to the other bomb <laughs> does he remarry this one uh i no he doesn't i don't think he does he kill himself also i don't think he does <laughs> yeah okay i think good. he just learns to be happy i think like someone basically passes on like his wife's dying words and they're like you know i forgive you for being out at sea the whole time yeah wow okay um, yeah heavy stuff uh yeah it's pretty heavy but um yeah you know this is this is like i say it's it's like the psychologically real marrow this is the kind of character development <laughs> god of war ragnarok can only dream of. <laughs> <laughs> oh what great absolute like shit housery take to uh to end on that. that's so good <laughs> Also, I like the idea that you you mistook this as like the depressed Mario characters draft, as opposed to like the RPG companions draft. That's like he is a, he is a, he's a playable companion, <laughs> no, and he's got an interesting story. Like I guess because he's like old, he's like a, a grizzled sea dog. He kind of fits into the substitute father figure. Yeah, um, if you're into that, or the bomb. <laughs> if you're into um, that. This now means there are two bombs at the sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> which is like really killing the mood because yeah. he also like memories of romance and love are probably going to like bum him out so he might cry uh yeah yeah i mean this is tough you, this is a tough just scene. make sure you've got like you know substantial lodgings for all 14 of these party members so they're like no it's pro- all around the fire <laughs> everything's out for everyone to see uh i want it all to be motion captured so like all these actors have to gather around, <laughs> act out their various parts, including a mourning bubble. Yeah, and the, um, and the chocobo from Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> a tiny chocobo, or maybe the sexy chocobo from Final Fantasy Thirteen. Oh too. dear, that's amazing. That's so funny. Oh, that's kill me this this draft. I've had a great time. I've been laughing my head off. Oh good. Well, it's a tr- truly terrible game. <laughs> like really, the functional classes are basically all from Xenoblade, and then it's just a load of bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've, I've built Xenoblade One, except Namba from Yakuza is there, and a load of bubbles. <laughs> See, I think I've got a pretty good like selection of actual fighters, like in a in a battle. Like I thought, yeah, well, I thought yeah. more about that. You seem to have thought a lot more about the mechanics of lovemaking in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. The ultimate test was just like if our two parties were to fight each other, who would win? Yeah. Uh, probably yours. Yeah, it's like we're just waiting for the orgy to end and then the fight can begin. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. My last pick then. This is a slightly underpowered last pick, I think, compared to a fucking Bob Bomb whose wife is dead. Like, I just, that's <laughs> tough to compete with that. Um, I'm afraid I picked Yuna from Final Fantasy X for this one. Um, which okay. is my third Final Fantasy X pick, which I don't think is that bad, because one of them is inept party members, so that's okay. Um, I picked Yuna because not only is she a white mage, she can heal your characters and cast protect and shell and all that stuff and uh, stop you from taking damage, she's also the summoner in the game, so she can summon uh, mighty creatures from the universe of Final Fantasy X to come and help, which is um, useful in battle. I'm not really looking to woo Yuna, you know, she's just sort of like a, kind of like a pal, I think, you know, um, mm. we'll sort of have her around. It's the FF10 version we're going for, not the hot pants and guns version, though I, I welcome her uh, liberation in the face of um, <laughs> the collapse of organized religion <laughs> in her world. <laughs> That's up to her. Um, but yes, uh, <laughs> so Yuna is my last pick, Matthew. Um, I wish it was a slightly funnier one because, uh, good God, some of yours are amazing. Um, okay, good. So we are done with the uh, main categories. So, 
Should we recap, Matthew? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Oh, here we go. So, category one, warrior. I've got Cassandra from Dragon Age Inquisition. I got Chie from Persona Four. Category two, black mage. I've got Vivi from Final Fantasy Nine. I've got Namba from Yakuza Like a Dragon. Category three, white mage. I've got Yuna from Final Fantasy Ten. I've got Sharla from Xenoblade Chronicles. Category four, support. I've got Liara from Mass Effect One, Two, and Three. I've got Tyon from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Category 5, Tank. I've got Auron from Final Fantasy X. I've got Donban from Xenoblade Chronicles. I told you it was a lot of Xenoblade. <laughs> Category 6, Rogue. I've got Varric from Dragon Age 2 and Inquisition. I've got Imoen from Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Category 7, Good Hang. I've got Nick Valentine from Fallout 4. I've got Kim Kitsuragi from Disco Elysium. Oh, fucking kill me in that category. Uh, category 8, Bad Hang. I've got Goofy from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Tali from Mass Effect. Oh, comparing those is tough for Tali. <laughs> <laughs> That's bleak. Imagine them tag teaming you. Yeah, imagine seeing. Oh, who's my who's my counterpart on that team? Oh, it's a fucking <laughs> idiotic dog. <laughs> idiotic dog who's annoying everyone else. Oh. <laughs> I really hope the person who wrote Tali from Bioware is listening to this. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I think Tali is a better character than Goofy, to be clear. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's killed me, that. That's, okay. Um, so, yes, we were on category nine, <laughs> die slash can die. Uh, I got Bob-Bomb from Paper Mario, the Origami. Oh, yeah, I've got Thane from Mass Effect 2. Sorry, this has gone a bit in Kieran. <laughs> category 10, love interest. I've got Sorceress Eddie from Final Fantasy VIII. I've got Kira Metz from The Witcher 3. Category 11, animal sidekick or annoying child. I've got Morgana from Persona 5. I've got the Chocobo Chick from Final Fantasy 13. Category 12, villain or anti-hero with a heart of gold. I've got HK47 from KOTOR, Star Wars Knights of Republic. I've got Vernon Roach from Witcher 2. Category 13, I've an uh, inept party member you'd rather forget. I've got Kimari from Final Fantasy 10. I've got Liam Costa from Mass Effect Andromeda. Category 14, wildcard. I've got Democratus, the planet, from Acron- Anachronox. <laughs> and I've got Admirable Bobbery, the widower Bobom from Baby Mary, a thousand years. Well, that was really fun, Matthew. Got two bonus categories here. Uh, what's the name of the RPG your party will star in? Uh, so I was thinking, like Final Fantasy, that this is going to be the first entry uh, in what I hope is an on-running series, but also like Final Fantasy, I want them to be standalone. Um, so I was thinking about like fantasy. I was thinking about anthology. I lazily decided to just to combine the two. Uh, so my game is called Matthew Castle's Fantology. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I like that. Um, I actually haven't come up with a name for mine. I really, I, feel, I didn't, oh. didn't plan for this one, but I did. Um, I feel like I should take your your uh, sort of um, your tack and go with uh, Samuel Roberts presents Infinite Worlds. Uh, so <laughs> that's what we're going with there. Um, what's your character's name in the game, Matthew? Uh, I thought I was going to name him after the iconic uh, legendary uh, hero of Final Fantasy VII and call him Andrew. <laughs> That's a really good pull. That's good. Um, yeah, you should rename uh, rename some of your other characters like Dorcia and Daniel. Like uh, suddenly uh, Tali becomes Daniel. She doesn't know why. <laughs> just poor Tali. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, I'm just going with Big Sammy for mine. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so Big Sammy. They will all address me as Big Sammy, and we're going to go from there. Um, so that those are the bonus categories. Um, a little bit of a, a wet fart to end on there. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I got the good got the good content out of the way. Now just time to like basically yeah, sort of um see it off. Uh so yes. The thing is those categories were sort of there as a break glass in case of like duff episode. Yeah, but but the episode uh, wasn't duff. It's actually gone it's, no, it's all right. It's pretty funny. I think people will like this. So yes, um we'll pin the poll um a back page pod on Twitter, it'll be the pinned tweet. Uh, you'll see it there. You can vote. We'll talk about the winner on a future episode. Um, yes, and uh, we'll, we'll post a list on the Monday after this goes live on social media. Give people a bit of time to listen to the episode um, and just sort of pass it. Um, I would read it all out again, but it is a lot of words, Matthew. Oh, let's, let's just... People heard <laughs> yeah, it. People heard it. People know. Um, yeah, the important thing is it's Goofy versus Tarly. That's what matters. Uh, so, <laughs> so Matthew, um, if people enjoy the podcast, they can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash BackPagePod, like around 600 of you do already. We're very grateful for your support. We've already put up Best Video Game Levels Volume 1 um, for uh, for people this week. And uh, very soon after you listen to this, the PC Gaming Classics Episode 2, Blade Runner, by Westwood's Blade Runner, will be live from Jeremy and Phil. And finally, um, at the end of the month, we've got um, Best TV Shows of the Year um, from me and Matthew um, in the XXL episode. So three uh, bonus episodes this month for people um, supporting us at the £4.50 tier. Um, Matthew, where can people find you on social media? Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm uh, Samuel W. Roberts. And uh, Gorsh, I hope they've got insurance. Uh, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>